welcome everybody to the Saint Seiya Cosmo Cast. I'm your host Ramses, and per usual, I am not alone here. I got common writer Furry. Hello. And of course, we got uh, we got Benjus as well. Hi, everyone. And we got we got a huge, huge pack show we need to talk about here because like there's a stuff that we need to talk about here, like concerning like a correction from like last week's episode. We have and actually we actually have an interview that we kind of keep kind of secret. Um, ben just he actually did go to the Saints. He went to the Pegasus Fantasy um, Symphonic Symphony, and he yes. he's gonna tell us a little bit of our thoughts. And then we're gonna start reviewing season two of the Saints Seiya CGI show because like well we we like the first we like the first season so much that yay let's do the <laughs> second season. But believe it or not, I'm actually I'm actually okay with this. I'm actually pretty good with this. But you guys have your opinions. But um but yeah it's, I mean it's been a, it's been a very I wouldn't I wouldn't say but it's like a lot of things did happen regardless within the Saint Seiya fandom. We had like the concert and then like the stuff that came out of the concert and then like we did that we did our stuff here personally. You know, it's really it's, it's gonna be really interesting to, to discuss a lot of these things that's going on here. So why don't we talk about first about the correction and like the thing that they just bumped that they just threw at us like a couple days ago with Mas- uh, Masami Kurumada? Yes. Last week we said that it was almost confirmed that we would not get any new episodes for Saint Seiya Next Dimension this year. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Saint Seiya Next Dimension is the official canonical sequel manga written and illustrated by Masami Kurumada and published in the Champion Red. Uh, however, a news, a bombshell dropped this week, which revealed through the official blog of Masami Kurumada that not only were they uh, finishing the latest batch of uh, chapters for for the manga, but also this would be the conclusion to the manga itself. At least uh, the Ooh. next the what we believe to be the arc in the past. We would have to go very in depth uh, about the story of Next Dimension to to to, to explain all that. Uh, but basically, we uh, most of us are believing that this is going to conclude the, the 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 part that has had the Bronze Saints travel to the past to the 18th century and uh, interact with the the Gold Saints of that era. And finally, begin what has been most awaited by most fans, which is the the Zeus chapter or the Heaven chapter, the Olympian uh, saga. Obviously, we we need to wait for the chapters to be published and to see where the story is going. There is still the possibility that that could be the end of it and 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 then there. We don't think that's going to be the case. However, again, until the chapters come out, it's just speculation. Uh, uh, but so far, everything seems to point to that. And we're we're very both excited as well as sad that it is ending. I mean, the manga began publication in 2006, so it's been 16 years uh, since it began mm-hmm. publication. It has been on a very regular run throughout these 16 years due to both uh, Kurumada's health, his age, uh, the condition he has on his drawing hand, as well as him also tackling other uh stories that he has been writing and illustrating it throughout this year simultaneously as well that's why it has taken so long to get to 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 this point however it has been officially stated that it is it's about to conclude and no date has been given as to when the chapters are going to start being published in the in the magazine but it it has been announced that we have to be uh we have to pay attention it closed in these closed dates to to an, an official statement but it is most likely going to begin this year or early next year. So Next Dimension is definitely ending either 2022 or 2023, early 2020. Yeah, and, and yeah, I was about to, I was about to bring up here. I was like, I was I was unsure if like they did if like because um, I did hear the conflicting reports. I was that these would be the final chapters 
that he'd been doing. And so it's like, yeah, no, that was one of the things I was that was kind of wondering about. It's like, is this like the final chapter of this current arc, or is this gonna, or he, and he's gonna continue with something else? Or it's like, is he gonna end it right there, and then like may, maybe pawn it off to someone else to do it like later down the road? But knowing him, I think I think he would want to finish it. I think he would want to finish it up himself. So I'm pretty sure he wants to like finish finish what's currently in next dimension, and then do and then like rest up, finish up whatever else he's doing with like other stuff he's doing. Because like, the man's like I said, we like you mentioned last episode. He's insane. Like not just Saint Seiya, but he's doing all his other stuff as well on the side. And you know, like he said, like he's, he's the, like he's not he's not getting any younger. His health is his health is starting to become more of a detriment now. But you know, he's powering through this, and I'm really happy he is. But you know, you know, I just I just don't want it to be like a situation like what happened with um, with Shotaro Ishinomori with um, with Cyborg Zero Zero Nine, where like he was he announced the final part, he was gonna do the final part, and then he, he, you know he, he unfortunately had to pass away. So. Um, and I just don't want I just don't want that situation happening with uh, with Kuromata or and so yeah I mean it's it's great that it's great that we're finally gonna get some sort of conclusion of this current arc or this current series but you know the, the future and the future does look kind of hopeful but you know let's see what happens Comrade Furry, your thoughts I think as long as he can finish I think clearly uh, like I'm I'm obviously not following this manga I apologize so I have more limited knowledge on it but. I mean, if they're planning, like, if there's been hints to stories beyond this, then it's probably safe to say that it's just the final part of this arc. And maybe another artist will take over it. Like, maybe if he wants to step back or, you know, doesn't want to continue it, somebody else can pick up the mantle. Because there's a bunch of spinoffs and things like that as well. But uh, I I don't know how to feel. I haven't caught up to this yet. <laughs> because the manga over here, I, I'm not a big fan of reading stuff online and the manga over here is pretty hard to get a hold of in general mm-hmm. and they haven't even started translating this for us yet as far as i know yeah the only spinoff Legally. we got here in the united St- yeah the only spinoff we have here in the united states currently is cynthia show but anything else concerning saint Seiya, like we only have we, we we barely got the the manga on the, the shonen jump app despite the manga actually being out of print for a while now yeah like i i just don't like reading fan translations of stuff if i can avoid it and like if it, if i was dying to read it then of course i would but i'm holding out hope that we'll get it eventually <laughs> um which may be you know a silly thing to hold out hope for but i'm holding out hope all right any, all right any other thoughts on Bankas? Well, I, I could have probably uh, spend an entire uh, episode just talking about Next Dimension. So I think that we probably want to save that for another time. All I'll say this is that I, I personally am very hopeful. And I generally, again, I don't want to say anything that is not a, from an official source. And until we don't see the chapters published, I cannot say like this happens. But what I think and what I believe personally that will happen is the the current chapter, which is basically the chapter that has been leading to the for the, for those of well it would be a spoiler for the ending but let's just say that it means the return of our beloved protagonist and the beginning of the olympian chapter i genuinely believe mm-hmm. that the story is going there i don't know how kermat is going to handle it there are many w- possible ways that it could go knowing the man he probably is going to continue to do the work himself until he literally cannot do it i mean it, he has done the story and somebody else done an illustration for for one of his stories before it happened with fumano kojiro in the past so it's not to be taken out of the equation, but I believe that he will continue to illustrate as well. I personally want him to continue to illustrate so long as he's, he feels capable of doing so. And I genuinely believe that it's going that way. And many things so far seem to indicate that everything's going in a very good direction for Saint Seiya. This really seems to be the year of Saint Seiya, like the big 
I don't want to say comeback, but like the big, uh, like proving again why it's one of the biggest franchises of all time in, in, in not just Japan, just in the world. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, and like I said, I've already made my, my opinions clear. I'm I'm really happy about this. So, um, we'll just have to see. We'll just have to see and find out like what's what's gonna happen next. I'm pretty sure they're gonna have a huge announcement in in the um, champion red like soonish. I wouldn't say I won't say like immediately, but soonish. I think we're gonna be hearing a lot, a lot in in champion red. Yeah, apparently just one correction. I actually made a mistake. The magazine where it is being published, the champion red it also belongs to the publisher, which Akita Shoten. But the huh. but next mention is actually published in the Shukan Shonen Champion. Okay, okay, yeah, because yeah, like I always get close to because I also know too. Um, uh, Champion Red, I think they all, I think they also do. Uh, I think in that that's where um, Last Canvas was 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 being like serialized in. Yeah, basically all the Saint Seiya spinoffs and properties have been published in in any of the magazines from Akita Shoten since since yeah. a long time ago. Yeah, because. The, the, like even though like we still associate the the series with uh, with with Shueisha and Shonen Jump, and they still sometimes will do stuff with, with Saint Seiya, it's more uh, at the Shonen t- um, uh, property at this point. So yeah, I mean we'll, let's just leave let's just leave it at that because like we we don't have a lot of that we don't have a whole lot of information even though everything looks kind of cool so far. But yeah, but let's just let's just um that was our only bit of news that we have, and it's interesting because it's like well last week we we're like we don't know what this is gonna like not last week but the last time we were like. I don't know if they're like, I don't know if he's going to continue with it now. I'm like, mm, you know, let him finish up whatever he's got first and then continue. And I was like, I'm pretty sure he listens to the podcast. And he's like, just, he's like, oh, oh, these guys think I'm, I'm lazy now? I'm going <laughs> to prove these guys wrong. I'm going to go always prove these guys wrong, especially that guy, Ramses. You know, <laughs> screw that guy. But in regardless, 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 regardless of all that, I think that's all. That's the only bit of news that we have here. I think the rest of this news would be like kind of redundant, just more information about stuff that we kind of already talked about already. So, we let me let me uh, set this up here really quick here. Me and Conrader Furry, we had an interview with Miss Marlene Sharp. She worked at Toon Makers for several years, and in her video portfolio, she had footage from a certain Saint Seiya spin-off series called well, I want to say spin-off series. I would say a prototype series for an American adapt uh, for an early American adaptation of Saint Seiya that would have been called Starstorm. We only seen glimpses of the of the of it, but now we get to hear from the horse's mouth like what they have to say about about it. Her time working at Toon Makers slash Renaissance Atlantic, and you know just any any information that she has to the to to what's going on with like that with that footage as well. So why don't we cut to Comrade Furry and Ramsey's in the past with this with this interview with Marlene Sharp? And hi and welcome everybody to our interview with Miss Marlene Sharp of Renaissance Atlantic. Um, if that name sounds familiar to anybody in the in the know of Saint Seiya, she worked on the pilot for Starstorm. So why don't you introduce yourself? Why don't you introduce yourself to to the people in the audience on listening in? Oh, hi, uh, <laughs> I'm Marlene Sharp. It's it's kind of jarring to hear Renaissance Atlantic after all these years. It's quite a few years have passed since I worked there, but I am tangentially involved with. Saint Seiya. I, I didn't actually work on producing the pilot, but I worked for Frank Ward, who was the owner, founder, executive producer behind Renaissance Atlantic. And one of the many projects that I did work on for him was putting together a demo reel. And on that demo reel was a clip of the live action pilot for Starstorm. 
And um, so, so I was responsible for curating all the things that were on that, that demo reel. And so that's how I became associated with the project. Okay. All right. So what were your duties at the company at the time? If you can like give us like a little bit of in-depth like discussion. Yeah. So I started there as a temp. So um, I had registered with a temp agency and I, I was looking for a full-time job in the entertainment business. So I, I was not, not long out of school, I have an MFA in musical theater, so I wanted to act and perform, but I, I wanted to also work in the business behind the scenes, like writing, producing, being a creative executive or so, something like that. And so, uh, so I registered with the temp agency shortly after moving to Los Angeles, and I was just placed in Frank's office through the agency. They had a temporary, well, what, what they call temp to perm position. So they wanted a per, uh, somebody on a full-time basis to be an assistant there, but they were going to try out at least one person, meaning me, <laughs> for, a, I guess, a couple of weeks and see how it worked out and then you know decide whether they were going to hire me or not. So that's how I started as a, as a temp and a temp assistant. And it was just Frank, and then there was a director of development at the same time. Her name is Danny Dave. And uh, so I was the assistant for a couple of, the temp assistant for a couple of weeks. Then they hired me, um, so as a, I became full, a full-time employee. And then Danny left about a year and a half after that, and then I became uh well i called myself the director of development i think frank always regarded me as an assistant but i performed a, a variety of tasks sometimes they would fall under the category of assistant and sometimes they would fall under the category of executive and everything in between all right so, all right yes yeah. so go on i was just gonna say i worked there for a, a little over five years Oh, okay. So, okay. so um, I was gonna ask, like, some of your, so other than like doing a lot of the temp work, what were your other tasks uh, doing working at Renaissance Atlantic? Uh, well, I did a lot of personal tasks for Frank, uh, which included everything from buying presents for his children and stepchildren and his grandchild. I uh. I occasionally ran errands, like going to the dry cleaners and picking kids up from school, um, making travel arrangements because he was traveling. He traveled a lot, and then, uh, and then once so that so and, and then I would I would type. I, I was always typing um, emails, and he he called the memos memos to. Um, a variety of people, people who were working production on the various shows, uh, lots of lots of correspondence with Haim Saban, who is the Saban of Saban Entertainment. And um, he's quite a, a force in the entertainment industry. Or it, he, he's a little bit more under the radar these days, but um, up until not that long ago, he was very active with producing and acquiring content. And he was also business partners with a gentleman named Rupert Murdoch for a long time. 
in uh, Fox, the Fox Kids Network. And um, yeah, so typing a lot of correspondence, travel arrangements. I published a children's book for him. So he, he wrote a children's book. I helped him hire an artist to illustrate it. And um, we did that in partnership with the late head of Hasbro, um, Brian Goldner. Brian Goldner was really good friends yeah. with Frank. And he used to come to our mm. office a lot. And sometimes I type up stuff for Brian as well. Brian started okay. out as the account executive on the Bandai account. Uh, at, mm. So J. Walter Thompson was the advertising agency that did all the commercials and so forth for, um, for Bandai. So Frank had, just to backtrack a little bit, Frank had worked as the president of Bandai America for a number of years and was really instrumental in Power Rangers being exported beyond the borders of Japan. He and Haim Saban um, were partnered on that. So Frank was more of the toy guy and Haim was more of the content guy. And Frank was fine to let Haim do all the handshaking and media appearances and all the, all the public facing things. Heim, Heim was front and center and Frank was really quiet and stayed behind the scenes. And then uh, Frank retired from Bandai America and then he retained this exclusive consulting agreement with Bandai. So he had a non-compete clause. He wasn't supposed to work with any other toy companies. And all of his consulting was focused on the toy properties that Bandai was involved with. So Bandai had tons of stuff going on in Japan. And then we would get content from Japan all the time just uh, with the request, what can you do with this outside of Japan? Mm. So we were constantly screening stuff. And so I, so I ended up, so I, I, I mentioned all the, um, <laughs> all the boring personal stuff that I did for Frank first, but mixed in there was, was cool, cool stuff. <laughs> the cool stuff was when we got all this, this footage from Japan, it, we had to figure out if there was potential to export it elsewhere and, you know, bring it to the rest of the world. And oftentimes that meant recutting re footage, uh, dubbing. Sometimes it was um, imposing a whole new storyline on what it was that we, we got. It just depended because a lot of it was stream of consciousness or what Western... What people would consider stream of consciousness if they were more familiar with Western storytelling and three-act structure. And so, and also we were trying to package these things, the, these, um, these TV series as kids' properties and so that uh, it would be easier to sell the toys. Um, most toy companies shy away from controversial subjects. They can sell more toys if the toys have a wider appeal. And so there are often there were often things that appeared in the original footage that would be considered objectionable by at least American TV standards and probably oh, yeah. in western western Europe and uh you know Canada and other places. So we would have to we'd have to do quite a bit of of censorship. And so the understanding always was that Bandai would be doing the toys. They, they would be responsible for the toy line. And then Frank would 
would be responsible to figure out how how to make this appealing these things appealing for the rest of the world and and make a big hit again like power rangers which yeah never really actually happened while i was there but we did work on really cool stuff like digimon i i I worked quite quite a bit on dig on a new iteration of digimon but ultimately all excuse me all of our development work was scrapped and um so bond just ended up dubbing the cartoons the uh the source material we didn't we we didn't do all the the redevelopment that uh we had originally planned to so so yeah so i did lots of cool stuff and balanced out with other stuff (laughs) i uh care if you're uh i'm also in this interview (laughs) um uh, i i just i completely remembered i didn't introduce myself but anyway i know that we're mostly here to talk about starstorm but you said that you weren't directly involved in that and you touched on digimon a little bit what what Mm -hmm. are the projects that stick out in your mind the most that you kind of had the most hands-on work with um there was one project called dinosaurs and that that one I probably worked most extensively on, um, and I got to do some voiceover on that as well. So that was nice. Uh, I did. I was eventually able to get some voiceover work through my job, and it was it was through Frank. Frank knew that I wanted to act and wasn't super supportive of it in the beginning but i think as time went on and he started to want to retire and close down his business he probably felt sorry for me that he knew i'd soon be out of his job (laughs) and so he threw me a bone by recommending me to the head of production at saban a, a, a gentleman who i'm still friends with to this day eric rollman and so eric rollman cast me in all these different shows i did voices on flint the time detective shinzo i think i did some digimon yeah i'm pretty sure i did i did some digimon episodes i did dinosaurs but i also worked extensively behind the scenes on dinosaurs which i don't think that many episodes ever ran it might have gone for one season um and there were there were some some other shows that i worked on as a voice actor but um as a behind the scenes swiss army knife kind of a person i worked on um let's see what was it that i worked what else did i work on well um there was the, the, so there was a show called little dracula that mm-hmm. had been produced way before i started working for frank but um during the time that i was working for frank the rights reverted back to him and so so he uh, he had i guess licensed it to someone else i i'm not really sure how the agreement went but anyway the rights reverted back to him and so one of my big projects was to go into all the episodes there were i think 26 half hours and um we had to change all the credits so that he would be credited as executive producer in place of the person who had originally been credited as an executive producer. That's, that's one of the perks of being the owner of an intellectual property. You can do whatever you want with it. So anyway, so I, and it, it was quite a, a, an arduous task because we didn't have the masters. Um, they had been all recorded on like beta tape or something like that. 
And so we had to, I had to find a, a lab to convert the tape to digital. And then th there was a lot of like special effects involved because it was, it was like such an old format. And then we had to convert it and everything. But I just loved Little Dracula. So I enjoyed working on that. And then we developed some, we, we developed a lot of stuff with Saban that never saw the air. Like, like the Digimon that we worked on, um, that never, it, the version that we did did not um, ever reach the air, but it was still fun to work on it. So, so yeah, You're those right. are some of the highlights. I, I feel like that was just a whole new can of worms. We just got done locating Saban Moon as a fandom. I mean, we, I didn't, but the fandom, you know, uncovered it. And now we know that there's Digimon content. Oh, no, no. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, there was nothing new that was ever animated. So the, so the fandom has stuff that, um, like, the, the fandom has everything that there is to see. The stuff that we did was, like, in Word docs and PowerPoint files and things like that. It was development. It, we, we didn't do any production on it. So don't worry. There's no hidden footage. But, um, but yes, and you're, you're referring to um, Team Angel. I was around when that happened. Um, I, I was, a, a lowly, just a, a girl assistant at the time. So I wasn't involved in the shoot or that was like really early in my time with, uh, with Frank, but, um, that was one of the projects that we edited into the demo reel, uh, years later. And, um, I was there for the casting and the, you know, and just i was i was around i wasn't doing anything extraordinary but um but he had given us the source material of the live action power ranger pilot that he did years prior and um mm. so i was involved with that kotaku interview that happened like four years ago i was interviewed quite extensively for that article but my contribution did not make it into the final piece which was uh, depressing to me. So I ended up that when I found out that I wasn't going to be in the article, um, I I was so disappointed that I was inspired to find that old demo reel and upload it onto my YouTube channel, and that's how the Starstorm uh, live action footage leaked. Okay. Air quotes. It's because of me. Um, yeah, tons of people, yeah, tons of people ripped it or pirated it. And I mean, I'm saying pirated, I don't own any of that stuff either. So technically I pirated it too, but, um, that was, that was my, that was my pacifist peaceful protest to not being credited in the article. <laughs> Cause I will not do stuff to be like the, uh, the quiet anonymous source. I'm, I am this shameless self-serving hey look at me sort i mean I'm, I'm an actor for god's sake <laughs> wouldn't be doing any of this if i can't get credit for it so yeah, of um course. and it wasn't it wasn't the fault of the the woman who in interviewed me from kotaku was was lovely and i talked to her several times and uh she really did a great job a great detective work although i pointed her in some directions and lettered some rocks that she might not have looked under but um, but she said that she was getting pressured from her editor to publish 
and she didn't have things finished. So she just needed to like wrap it up before she got assigned to something else. And then there went the article and I was like, oh yeah, well, okay. <laughs> this is, <laughs> I'm going to find that. If it's the last thing I do, I'm going to find that demo reel and I'm going to put it up. But nothing, nothing really hugely exciting happened from that for me personally, except I get, I'm getting to meet you guys, of course. And uh, I've been contacted by several of the St. Seiya super fans and um, I've, I've done some interviews about it. So, so, I mean, that's all wonderful, but I can't say that it's propelled me to a new level of stardom or anything. Not yet. Anyway. No, no, uh, not at all. But Hey, but trust, trust us. We, we, we will, we, we will find a way to, we will, we will find a way to do something with this. Trust me. <laughs> we understand. <laughs> Thank I you. I, I have, I have to rely on my uh, Sonic the Hedgehog coattails. I, I need to. I'm riding him to fame and fortune. Even though <laughs> I have, I, I worked for Sega. I, I I left Sega in 2017, but people still contact me a lot about the Sonic fandom. So um, so I'm I'm milking <laughs> that. So don't don't you worry. <laughs> uh, I did have a question though because you. Um, I just want to make sure that I'm I'm quoting everything correctly you said that you were the one that actually pieced together the demo reel yeah yeah with with frank um so frank frank wanted to have a demo reel it was a a a little weird he wanted to have a demo reel to showcase all the projects that he worked on through the years but shortly thereafter he essentially retired um he 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 moved out of los angeles he got out of entertainment business i guess he worked in other businesses um but not the toy business and not in the entertainment business but anyway he wanted to do this demo reel and so so i with with frank's help went through tons and tons of stuff just to find to curate the best clips that would go into the into the demo reel and then i hired a friend of mine salvador litvak who was the editor um, and he, he, we credited ourselves. We just put, put ourselves as producer and pro- he as producer editor, cause nobody said that we couldn't. And quite frankly, <laughs> I didn't get credited on anything <laughs> except maybe I got a credit on dinosaurs, I think as production manager and maybe something else that nobody else saw. But, um, you know, like I said, I'm not in this business to be anonymous. So, so on the slate in the front of the demo reel, Sal and I put our, um, you know, our credits because we did the work. So why not? And um, mm. and so so Salvador really did. He 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 did a ton of work too because like I I had to go with Frank with Frank and I had to screen all kinds of things so he could decide which was like the best episode or you know which clip he wanted to show from which project but then salvador had to actually input all that stuff into the editing software and you know he he had to cut the he found the musical selections and then he did some graphics in the beginning of it and then i did the voiceover there's a little voiceover narration in the beginning um and i wrote that and i recorded it and um yeah so that that's what we did but i don't think anybody ever saw it i i had a copy of it but i don't know that frank ever used it as a as a real as a demo reel i don't know if he usually people 
will submit that when they're trying to get other work or just to put on a website and showcase like, Hey, this is, this is what I've done. But as far as I know, it had never seen the light of day. We, and we worked really hard on it. So I was like, well, maybe it's time to come out of the cobwebs. Um, I'm going to roll the dice here and see, see what happens. And, uh, it, it finally found an audience, I guess. So it's, I, I'm sure you know the direction I'm going with this, but I, I'm, we're safe to admit that there's probably a lot more footage from Starstorm specifically than what we get to see. Like they, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, they filmed yeah. much more, I'm guessing. Um, from what I remember, I believe that it was just a pilot. So, and, and a pilot, I should clarify a little bit um so often what we would do when i worked for frank and he had been doing this for years prior to when i worked for him um bandai would send him all this all this material like hey this is our biggest hit show in japan right now what do you think we can do in other markets with it and so frank would hire a team usually or you know um his director of development or whomever would help him to put together a pilot, not for broadcast, but mm. it would be shown at toy. It was specifically made for New York toy fair, which happens every year in, yes. in New York in February. And so it would be shown at the Bandai booth and in meetings to generate excitement about what Bandai was doing next. And um, I don't know how familiar you, you or your listeners are with, New York Toy Fair, but it's like a big rah-rah industry event for the mm-hmm. toy business. Yeah, I'm a huge fan. Yes. It, it, it's, a, it, it's, um, it's a business-to-business event as opposed to like Comic-Con where the public yeah. can go. But, um, but it's very important to the toy business. Um, Frank was always a rock star because he'd been in the business for like a million years. Everybody knew him and he was a big success. And, um, and so, um, there was always quite, after Power Rangers became a hit, there was always a lot of interest in what was going on at Bandai and, you know, Hey, what's going to be the next Power Rangers. So I think Starstorm was intended to be that as were a lot of things like Team Angel. Um, I mean, every year, um, not Comic-Con every year around, oh, well, we'd have to work on these things way before Toy Fair, but we'd have to go through this exercise every year creating sizzle pieces. Another thing we called them was sizzle pieces or pilots, but they were always non-broadcast and just meant for the trade shows. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm well aware of it. I've seen a couple of, um, I've seen a couple of those videos like leaked all around of like different videos of like, of different pilots and different sizzle reels. They they Mm place into it just to entice, to entice, to entice, um, not, not just, um, not not just like the people who are interested in, in in the series, but like also to entice like you know like retailers like like you know um, yes you know Walmart, Target at a time like Toys R Us. Yes. So to be like okay, this is our this is, this is your big this is our next big toy, and this is what you, this is our the characters and yada yada yada. And also yes, that that's a hundred percent true. And also to attract broadcasters and um and other licensees. So mm-hmm. so ban- in other words, like. Bandai would do the master toy. The master, they would have the master toy um, license, which is like 
the core toy line, which would be like play sets and action figures. And then anything else that you would see with Power Rangers on it, let's say, would come from another company taking yeah. that license and paying money to make backpacks or T-shirts or um, wallets or uh, dog shirts or whatever. And so... Um, Sundries. So yeah, all, all kinds of accessories. Yeah, the and video games, any kind of spinoff yeah. of the intellectual property. So it's very important to create excitement early on because all those those licensing deals not only take a long time to just be negotiated, but then there's all the tooling involved. So you yeah. you got a few years of preparation before anything hits the shelves. So that's yeah. why the these sizzle pieces, it all starts with like these sizzle pieces at Toy Fair getting folks excited. Um, so, so yeah, like I was just going to say that's what, so that's what Starstorm was. I, I guess I must have seen the pilot or I at least had the footage in my possession at one point, but I don't remember it other than that little clip that's on the demo was, reel. So that's what, that was going to be another next question is like, you, if you do remember any, like just, like just to close things down, like if you remember anything from, from it, or do you remember anything like working with it? Or if like, if you stumble upon it, like in your time working on all these other projects, do you like stumble upon working on, on the project as well? I was just wondering if you um if you no. have any recollections like no okay not it, quite frank frankly speaking all of all of the stuff that all of those pilots especially for the shows that never did get produced and there were quite a few uh just blended together in my mind as as stuff around the office and I wasn't really a fan of anime or Japanese ips or any of that when i started um th that was all a brand new world to me i didn't even know i didn't know that merchandise driven entertainment existed i didn't know anything i knew that i wanted to be an oscar-winning actress and um and i was gonna i was gonna create vehicles for myself i was i, I wanted to be like tina fey or mindy kaling or reese witherspoon or somebody like that and and i was just in my mind, I was spending time there until I moved on to my greatest achievement, which was not going to be that. And I had a really bad attitude about the stuff that I was working on. I was always kind of like rolling my eyes like, oh, my God, this is the worst stuff I have ever seen. I cannot tell anybody that I'm working on Power Rangers. That is like the worst production value I've ever seen in my life. It's embarrassing. Yeah. And then... Uh, yeah. And I, I mean, I was a total snob uh, after, especially after grinding through graduate school, which was an ordeal in itself. I felt yeah. like I was an auteur, you know, like I had high standards and, you know, I was just biding my time. But now, all these years later, I see what a blessing it was. And I, I my, my attitude totally changed. And I, I'm, I'm almost exclusively involved with overseas content now and that that's been my living and my my livelihood for for a very long time so um but yeah not so much in the early days so i'm sure there was there i ha hate to tell you this gentlemen but there were probably a lot of treasures that slipped through my grasp um just because i didn't know any better back Fair then. enough 
Fair enough. <laughs> so, I, I, when you, when you, I used to work in retail, and it's like I used to work in, so it's like well, I would just like dismiss a lot of things. I'm like, yeah, whatever. So it's like I under, totally understand what's going on. Anyways, why don't we close it down? Why don't we close things uh, up here? And why don't you like plug anything you have, anything you want to plug? Oh, sure. Well, well, first of all, thank you so much for uh, for inviting me to be on your show and and putting up with my crazy schedule because I do have tons of stuff going on. But um, I'm working on a project right now called Young Captain Nemo, which is an animated film trilogy. The company behind it is called Rainshine Entertainment. And watch the trades and the news to see to see more information about when it comes out. It's a, it's a blockchain based property, um, but it will manifest as three animated movies and NFTs and all kinds of other stuff. So to, to be continued on that, that's my big project right now. All righty. Then is there anything else like you got like a website or anything the fans can like reach out to you or anything like that? Oh yeah. So my, my personal website is pinkpoodleproductions.com. And I am a maniac on LinkedIn. So you can always find me on LinkedIn and link with me. And I, I also moderate the women in animation group on LinkedIn. And we've got like almost 18,000 members now. So, uh, right. and then I'm also on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and all the usual suspects i'm on discord too but i can't say that i really know much about using it <laughs> not right now anyway but um yeah that's me all righty then thank you so much for your time i don't want to keep you any longer here um we'll be like so this is ramsey's from the past telling turning it over to ramsey's in the future where we're going to continue uh, whatever discussion i don't i don't know we're going to maybe talk more about the cgi cartoon at this point so we'll see y'all later bye thank you and that was a and thank you very much, Ramses of the past. Um, so yeah, I mean, you're you're all thoughts kind of afraid that you, you since you were there with in the interview. Like, what, what what did you what did you think about when when we had when we did this interview? Like, you know, very briefly. I was just really shocked by just how candid she was. Like, she was super personable. Really liked talking. Really liked connecting with fans. Uh, she kind of, as you heard, she kind of re reiterated that she was actually excited to do this interview because usually it's Sonic fans that come like knocking on her door asking for information. Personally, I was shocked about the Digimon information. Like I would like <laughs> to know more about that situation, but she said she's gonna have to dig through some stuff to see if she can find anything left over from it. It didn't get anywhere near as far as Starstorm or Saban Moonery or Team Angel, anything like that. She said it got scrapped real early in production, but that was really interesting. I just liked how much she wanted to talk. Like usually, uh, I've I've done a lot of interviews in the past um, with people of like varying levels of fame and varying levels of expertise on things, and getting people to want to talk. Like you usually have to kind of manipulate the situation with like open-ended questions or something like that. We didn't have to do any of that. Like she was ready to hit the ground running and just like super excited to talk about everything. So it was just overall really fun experience. A lot of interesting information. Um, I wish that she had was a little bit more involved with Starstorm specifically because we kind of found out that she wasn't super interlinked to it. She was more after the fact, but she did get to review much more of the footage of it than than what we saw in that little like 15 second snippet. So there's more footage out there. So at least that's confirmed. Maybe there's a full pilot or a full mock-up or something somewhere out there. So this is a step in the right direction. 
for both Lost Media and the Saint Seiya fandom as in general. So I thought it was just really cool and interesting to be a part of it. Yeah, and I, and I also have to say the same thing. Was like if you hear the interview, it's like you know, um, and, and like she didn't give really much information about Starstone, but she did give us like a view of like how things were at the company itself, and she did tell us like you know how how the how, how the climate was at the time and all that stuff. Working with working at working at the company and all that stuff. So it's an it's like it's an interesting look into in, in into into the company's past and stuff like that. And like you said, like there's some like there's stuff outside of Saint Seiya that's actually kind of interesting as well. I think overall, like, I think it was really interesting to see her like her enthusiasm and seeing like how happy how, how she wanted like people wanted to ask her about her past and stuff like that. And I was really happy about about it. So like she provided some information about like how you get in contact with her. And like I said, like this has been a really—it was really interesting that she that she said a lot of these things. So, I, I here's the thing: I'm not going to speak for Kamen Rider Furry or Benjus for this on this one, but I'm going to put this offer out to anybody that's listening that from like the Lost Media people out there. I'm going to put it this right now: I know about Saint Seiya. I know English. If you and I also know Spanish as well. And you know, and what I can, uh, what I myself, like I said, I'm only speaking for myself, not for like the not for the rest of the team, but. I would I would like to offer my services up if in case like anybody needs more help with like the information and the info and all that stuff. Like if you guys need help with, with like 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 you know talking to people or you need like or you need people like like help you out with like the, the help you out with the search that is knowledgeable in Saint Seiya, I can provide that I can provide that 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 knowledge in in, in place so I can help you guys out because I understand that Saint Seiya is does have the same kind of foothold as say Sailor Moon or. Um, Anything else? Anything else that 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 got, that's huge as well? Like that they tried to they, they tried to make here to the United States. So I I understand too. Like Saint Seiya is like such a anomaly when it comes to like when it comes to the United States. So I would like uh, so I like to offer up my services if like if possible to to the fandom that's that that that, that wants to just help out to, to find this, this footage as well. So I will. So you know, with that said, you know, I hopefully hopefully we can get more more information about things. About Starstorm and stuff like that in the near future, and hopefully too you enjoy that interview because I do want to do more interviews with other people, including people from the production of of the current Saint Seiya dub in English, or you know some people that that worked on like the other versions of Saint Seiya. You know I am totally down with it. If you guys enjoy that interview, please leave a comment and I will like can I see if I can get more people involved as well. I would love to interview more people in the in the in the actual people who actually worked on the series itself. And if like I said. Also, if you if you're if you're by some chance listening and you did work on Starstorm, send us a line. Like, like I'll definitely get a hold of you, and I'm pretty sure Kamen Rider Furry is gonna jump on it as well. Ben, just I'm pretty sure too. Will Ben will we'll, we'll go there, but like I said, I don't speak for both of them. But I know Kamen Rider Furry would because like he he jumped on it when he wanted to do this. So, but like I said, like it's a very 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 interesting situation. And like I said, like she did mention a couple of names, so it's like and there's quite a few things, even though she wasn't directly involved. There is a lot. There was a lot to unpack, and there is some information there that, that is useful to like if people are trying to get like started with information for like doing searches for Starstorm and stuff like. That. I just I want to say one thing that because I feel like people might call me out for it during that happened during the interview. There was one part during the interview where I did mention Saban Moon, and she thought that I was talking about Team Angels, but I didn't want to get in the weeds of they're not the same thing. Um, it's been established that. Renaissance Atlantic and Tomb Makers both as a whole just kind of don't remember <laughs> Saban Moon. Mm -hmm. They very clearly remember Team Angel because it got much further along, I believe, in all the concepts and 
Um, they had like they're preparing the marketing for it and all that kind of stuff before everything fell through. And it was also more recent, so they real they remember that much more than they remember Saban Moon. I just want to throw that out there so that nobody like comes for me for like thinking like being mixed up about it. I did an entire episode on my own podcast about Saban Moon. Very interested in it. Know a ton about it. Went way into it. I just didn't want to derail the the interview because that was not what the interview was about. So I just, I just wanted to say that one thing before we move on. Also, one last thing as well, like you know, like just and and like you know, don't 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 like you know, don't go harassing Miss Sharp about not knowing any knowledge and stuff like that. Like um, as I mentioned before, it's like as I mentioned to you guys in private, I know I mentioned here and personally, but she worked in a company that was doing their damnedest to get them to do their next Power Rangers, and they they were swamped with like with like projects similar to Starstorm and you know what, mm. what we know what we now know as Saban Moon and stuff like that. Because I'm pretty sure too, like one of the one I remember very clearly too that one of the projects they wanted to bring to the United States was going to be Blue SWAT, which would have been another Metal Hero series, I believe. Mm-hmm. That that was one of the series that they wanted to bring in as well to the United States as well. So like all that stuff, like like you know Starstorm, Saban Moon, and you know Blue SWAT, and there's got to be like billions of others like similar series in that same vein of like live action stuff in the same in the style of Saint of Power Rangers that we don't even know about. So I'm pretty sure, like by the end, of, so I'm very sure that you know we we that all that stuff, like you know, it's just like you know, like like I said, like all that stuff just becomes a blur after a while. So like, don't harass any, so don't harass it, right. don't harass her for more information, and like you know, this is that, but at best we can get. And like I said, like we like there's like she did provide some more information. I think we should just work from there instead of trying to, you know, trying trying to like dredge up more information and try to and you know. And invade her privacy with when it involves that type of stuff because I want her to be as comfortable with the fandom as much as possible as well. Yeah, if she's she said that she has no problem connecting with people and talking, but just be respectful. Like you know, the yeah. internet's full That's of the- wild people, so just just be respectful about when you ask questions. Um, Ben, just I know you've been quiet all this uh, from here for, for a little bit, so like I know you haven't listened to the interview yet, but like one fun we launch on a new topic here that might that will involve you already. So. Uh- if I just could add something to the last part is uh, well yeah sure go for it I'd also uh, just quickly I'd also like to help if like any person wants to reach out or, or regarding any information I'd be happy to to lend an ear or to pry an eye and uh, I'm it's it's awesome that you guys were able to get the the interview and uh, I I hope that one day we are able to uncover all the secrets about this project that never came yeah I, I hope so too because like this this project is it's such a anomaly to like find out about it's like wow like and and it's such a, and it's such a weird thing because like you know we know like I I, I can't believe I'm, like take a drink right here guys because I'm pretty I'm gonna try I'm, I'm gonna make the Sailor Moon reference of the day here but it's like Sailor Moon and Saint Seiya, like they're like conjoined at the hip at times. And, That's my fault. <laughs> and I, and I feel like I feel when it comes to like these type, when it comes to these types of situations, it's like if it's like it mirrors it mirrors Sailor Moon in, in a lot of ways. Like where there's a they they were trying to attempt to bring Sailor Moon here as a live action show. They tried to bring here they tried to bring Saint Seiya here as a live action show, and you know then so on and so forth here. And you know they got <laughs> they both got picked up by the same company. I don't think I don't think that's I don't think that's I don't think that's the irony is lost that that D picked up both Sailor Moon and Saint Seiya at the same time. It's so weird, but like I said, like like all that stuff is like entrenched in like you know like with so much like mystery and just like we just want to know like what it was because I I do want to one day like just have like a complete history of like where Saint Seiya was and where we are today with the CGI show and stuff. 
But yeah, that, that's just that's beside the point here. Then just you attended yeah. a huge concert in Mexico City. Tell us your experiences. Tell us, tell us everything that you can tell us. I, of course, I did. And I'm going to be completely honest. I, it took quite a while. I'd say that even to, to right now, I'm still kind of like getting over just the shock of, of what a magical, wonderful experience all this was. This concert was magnificent. I've described it in, in my Twitter on many accounts responding to the organizers as it was magnanimous. That's the way that I feel about it. Wasn't perfect. There were a couple of things that uh, can be talked about in 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 you know with a critical eye, but like with a, like with any uh, event or with any concert. But I think that those few issues that might have happened are dust in the wind compared to the entirety of the experience as a whole. It was magical from beginning to end, not just the concert itself, but also getting to meet so many people, seeing so so many people that I've interacted with online, getting to meet new people that I haven't I hadn't met before, and also meeting people from all over the continent. And I mean that literally because there were even people from Canada. Uh, greetings to. To, to you guys, I run into Alex Yue from Canada, a Sensei mm -hmm. cosplayer who, who who loves Sean. Uh, greetings to you. Uh, it was amazing to meet you, man. Uh, hopefully, you get to listen to the episode. I know that you listen to to it sometimes, and <clears throat> it was uh, it was wonderful. I'll go into more details once we our special episode uh, regarding the the concert itself uh, we, when we make that. But it was wonderful. I I loved every second of it. Yeah, and like, like you know, I know he's talking really briefly, but we are gonna have a more in-depth discussion with several other members of the community who were in attendance that do speak English that will that will provide uh, more information as to what what it was. Ben just is gonna be one of our guests here, so it's like, like we're not gonna ignore him at all because like you know he's our he's our new host, he's our new toy. We're gonna that we're gonna prop up because he's that awesome. But but like I said, like you know, I, I like we, we we were talking about this like because like we did that um. Roundtable for the, the San Diego Comic Con panel, and that went really well. And it's still actually one of our more listened episodes. So I I figured, you know, hey, like if these type of special events happen, let's try to see if I can I can try to get more people involved to like not just get the not just get ourselves involved, but also get the fandom involved as well. Because I've always wanted to get more fandom involvement with this show, especially trying to like especially since the English speaking world of Saint Seiya is like it's a it's a germ, it's a germ compared to like say something like Dragon Ball or Sailor Moon again, but like, you, <laughs> like in, or any other like, but it's like, like Saint Seiya does have does does have its merits, and there's there's a lot of people that can that I want to speak up about it, and so like it's really cool that they, that these people will will join us, and will you know, I will edit it and I will put it out as soon as possible. So yeah, I mean, if there's anything else you want to talk about, like you know, because like I know we can, we can only go so much before, because like I don't want to go too much into detail, but is there anything else? that you want to talk about or come right for you is there any other questions you want to talk about with 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 Benjus about the concert i have exactly one question Should that person from canada did you say they like shun or sean shun okay i thought you said sean and i was about to have to issue a massive apology for making fun of girls so much in these episodes but <laughs> no, no. i'm not going to anymore so moving on <laughs> andromeda shun uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think I thought uh, you said Sean, and I was like, "Oh no, I got an apology to make. Somebody yeah. actually likes that character. Oh no." I might have said I might have said Sean, but that's because I keep forgetting the like like the pronunciation in English for for the name. It's uh, I might have said it like that, but I meant Shun. Okay, I, I wasn't I wasn't nitpicking at you or anything. I was just wanting to be clear <laughs> before I apologize for something I don't need to. 
<laughs> don't, don't worry. Yeah, I think I just want to end this uh, uh, with one note. Uh, and because you just mentioned this, Ramses, as well. In the English-speaking world, Sinseya might not be known because of all those factors that came in to be, unfortunately, and that has always kept the series from having, uh, having the same legacy as, for example, Dragon Ball or some of the other classic series have. But I'll just end it with this data and with this question. How many other anime series can fill a stadium of 11,000 people dedicated entirely to its soundtrack. I'll just, I just want to, I just 11,000. Holy sh Wow. That's, uh, I didn't realize, I didn't realize, I didn't like, I seen the pictures, but like 11. Oh my God. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta lay down now. Yeah. I, I personally think that the Sailor Moon deep dub soundtrack could fill 11,000 people. Yeah, I got a guy with a Casio, of course. <laughs> he just he's got like a, a little kid's like synthesizer up on stage just like playing out the music. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just one oh dude. god, we got we, we yeah, 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 that, that that is one thing that 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 like wow, I didn't I like that the scope and like you said, like it's not just people in in Mexico it's not just people in Mexico. We have people from I know I know the, one of our people that were that we interviewed, he's he's here from the United States. And then we also had people like, like you know, we had like people like Alex who came from all the way from Canada. So this guy traveled like two two countries just to get just to get here. So it's like that tells you dedication from the fandom, especially when especially since it's all when you when you put them all together there. So yeah, this kind of so I'm really happy. I'm really happy you had a great time. Like I said, we don't. I know we can't really discuss much because like we are gonna have a, a separate episode about that. But I'm really happy that you know you had a, such a great time, and I can't wait to talk to you and everybody else that we had that were, that's going to be part of our panel as well. So yeah. why don't we go on to our next topic here, and we're going to talk about season two of Saint Seiya, Battle for the Sanctuary, as it, as it's subtitled. So um, yeah, why, why don't we jump in? Why don't we jump into this, guys? Um, so well, finally, let's do it. I just I, I want to start off by um, sharing some concerns because I. I I I did. I wanted these episodes to be fresh in my head. I wanted them to be my first impression because you guys listening to the last three episodes have gotten my first impression, my genuine first reactions to all of these episodes. So as yeah. much as I wanted to like speed through and get caught up to where they're at, as of we're recording right now, the uh, Crunchyroll in the United States is up to episode seven. Mm -hmm. My concern with it is number one, it wasn't on the trending page. Like I thought for sure that this would be on the trending page, even though it's not like mega popular because Crunchyroll did put so much into this. And I thought they would kind of do mm -hmm. the Netflix thing where all the Netflix originals are always on the trending page, regardless of if people give a crap about them or not, because, they, you know, they've got to promote for themselves. So I feel like Crunchyroll might not be promoting for themselves. And I'm, I was on the trending tab for a while scrolling and did not see it. So I was... It's a little bit concerning. Um, I hope that they're pushing it. Like I, I, I don't go to a lot of anime-specific websites unless I'm doing research. So I'm hoping that maybe they're putting out ads and stuff for it, or like maybe they have like YouTube ads or ads like on on their um, non-paid subscriptions because I have the paid subscriptions for both YouTube and for uh, Crunchyroll, so I don't see commercials. So maybe they're pushing it there, but I'm just worried. The other thing I'm concerned about is that um, I don't know if this is for legal reasons because they don't have the first season on there, but nowhere on here does it indicate that this is the second season. So mm -hmm. it would, I figure it might be really jarring for somebody to click on episode one of what they assume is season one because it's not listed as anything else and then start in the middle of the story. Because, I mean, the first episode does have a recap like previously on Knights of the Zodiac. So that's nice. Mm -hmm. 
but it's just not being advertised as a second season. And I feel like people might just see that and think that it's just the one that's on Netflix already and just kind of discount it. Like if they're not keeping up with the news like us. So they might just mm-hmm. think, oh, Crunchyroll just acquired this show and it was bad. So there's no reason to watch it. Whereas they should be promoting it as like the next installment, like a, the big upgrade, you know, returning to the roots. Cause mini spoiler alert, it kind of is it's, it's heading back towards being much more closer to the series in these four episodes that we watched. So that's just kind of my little concerns about Crunchyroll and how they're handling the situation. It seemed really positive at first with all the press that they were doing, but now that it's actually out, it feels like they're kind of stagnating it, which really is upsetting me greatly. Like, I feel like they should be pushing this a little bit more than what I've seen. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure. But, like, I'm, like um, I think when it comes to, like, trending stuff, isn't it, like, by, like, release date? So I'm pretty sure, because I know those episodes get released every Saturday. No. Yeah, so I'm pretty sure. No, they have they have a trending oh, tab and then they have a recently updated tab. Okay, they're two different things. Yeah, because I was thinking like I was thinking like with the with the with the trending, it'd be like at least like something that's trending that day. I was oh, that's what I was that's what my mind went to. Like, why they didn't do that? But it's trending overall, and yeah, that is kind of a concern. But um, like you're they comp- manipulate the numbers, but I mean it is their own like quote original show, so they maybe should fudge it maybe a little bit to at least have it on the front page so people see it. Or yeah, have, have like an ad. spotlight on it. That's actually like there should, should like there should have. What's up? I was just gonna say that's actually food for thought because actually I don't I don't want to. Okay, okay, apparently some information has been coming out regarding uh, some of the production regarding this series. Apparently, Netflix didn't get to say didn't interfere that much in the decisions that were made for the previous season that was more on toy and the, and the way that they decided to do it. So. I don't know if it's Toei the one or Sony or whomever not putting enough investment in the in the um uh advertising uh, yeah in the advertising for the product because I, I, at least in 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 the US because uh, there are, it has been pushed quite hard in and it's being talked about quite a lot in different websites in Spanish and Portuguese and I think even in France also it's getting pushed quite a bit this new second season so yeah that's something to consider that's well, I think like a relief. One, I was gonna say it's like you know they, what they should be doing is they should be attaching like a trailer for the series like before Dragon Ball Superheroes or something like that. Just it's like you own it, you might as well yeah. put it up there. Yeah. But like, it, yeah, I, I'm I'm pretty sure it's like you know like like one of the things I that I learned to realize when I was talking to other people was that um they were they were wondering like how like how's the popularity in other parts of the world and yeah and I remember I got a DM from a from a fan and the fan was asking hey you know. How is it? How how's it? How's it? How's it doing? And all this stuff. And like, I saw some of the numbers that that's being posted right there. And it's like, it doesn't look that promising. But I'm pretty sure it looks very. But like, but I told, asked him, hey, how's it? How is it? Like in your neck of the woods. And he showed me some of the other numbers from like Mexico and stuff like that. It's like it's doing huge numbers. And I think that's because like in one region, like in one region, it's doing like it can be doing okay. Like I'm pretty sure it's doing fine here in the United States. But like in other parts of the world, it, it's got to be doing gangbusters. We want to know because like we're kind of like. Crunchyroll kind of walls off a lot of the content from like one from one country to the next. Is it doing really well in China? Because every time I see screenshots, it's got Chinese subtitles on it. Or is that I, just like, do they get it first? Or like, what's going on? 
it, it does i don't know exactly how it works but it for some reason yeah the spoilers for the episode which is really annoying because a lot of people i follow post the spoilers but anyway uh, apparently like it airs in in china before it airs in the rest of the world like it airs first in china then in uh, then in europe and in in america well well latin america uh, well no america in the entire in, yeah not just an entire continent yeah in the entire continent so yeah, China does get it first. I don't know exactly how, by how much. I think that it's only like a few hours, like maybe six, six hours or so yeah. before the rest of the world. But yeah, they do get it first. Yeah, every and single screenshot I see floating around has got Chinese subtitles on it. I'm like, what is the deal? And I think also too another thing, another thing about the about the Chinese version of uh, of of this of like of, of Knights of the Zodiac is that it's not through Crunchyroll. I don't know what the name of their their streaming service that they're using there, but. It's a completely different service altogether than the one that, that we're using, so we wouldn't even know that metrics either. Because like, if it, if it, if we can't get if we can barely get the metrics here in the United States and like here in America, China's got to have like their own different kind of metrics that we would never like. We're never gonna have like we're never gonna have we're never gonna have any access to at all. No, we would have to ask somebody directly from China. But yeah, in Asia, it's different. China has its own platform where it's doing the distribution and in japan it, it hasn't even aired, as far as i know even though it has the japanese dub it, does, it hasn't aired in japan yet the the date for when the series was going to be uh, launched for the second season i remember that it was like quite later because i did see quite a few comments in japanese like saying like like why are they already getting this why haven't why haven't we gotten this yet which is interesting i think also too which is i think too they're they're launching their own service in japan as well concerning it but i don't know but I don't like again. These are two like if someone can like someone out there, please give me the name of this new service as well because I'm pretty sure it. I'm very sure that they're they're gonna they're waiting for that service to like, launch in Japan so they can so they can release at least all the episodes up to that point. So like it's it's right now a waiting game for like it's a waiting game for Japan and like for, and for and for China. They're they're reeking they're reeking the benefits. They're essentially dealing with what the Power Rangers fandom deals with all the time. It's a show that's made specifically for the United States, but Great Britain gets it before us, and Australia sometimes gets it before us, mm -hmm. and random European countries get it before us, and then six months later, we get it. <laughs> yeah. Logistics are such a weird thing, man. Yeah. But I think we should, I think we, I think logistics aside, let, let's talk about the actual episodes, and I was gonna, I was gonna start off with Conrader Free. You know, what were your thoughts on episode one of season two? I, I thought it was good. I don't know that it, it moved. It felt different. It felt much closer in line with the regular show or like the anime. I get regular show with the anime. It felt a lot more, a lot more closely in line with that. We saw a lot of really familiar scenes that might be slightly different or in slightly different places or have slightly different wording because they're, they of course have to keep that uh, Athena prophecy storyline going. They can't just drop it because then the characters would have no motivation anymore, you know? So uh, mm -hmm. some of the stuff was rearranged, but it really, it felt like stuff that we've seen before, which for me was kind of good and kind of bad. And what I mean by that is it's good because, or it, it, I guess I'll start with it. It's bad because I've seen it before. And when it comes to recreations or adaptions or things like that, I want to see something new. What they did with season one was new, but it wasn't good. So the fact that they're going back and starting to follow the anime and the manga more closely is both good and bad for me, if that makes sense. Because like I, I like seeing new stuff, but the new stuff they tried wasn't good. So maybe trying new stuff wasn't for them. Maybe they should just follow the original story. Because we know the original story is good. 
But the first episode. Vengeance. Oh, sorry. Oh, no, you can go. No, you going? No, I was like, you keep going. I was, gonna, I, was, I, was, I was about to pass it to Vengeance. Oh, I was. I was just saying the first episode is just kind of like a. It felt kind of like a breather before they really start going into this whole thing because they they spend a lot of time. Um, sorry, I just lost my train of thought. I apologize. This they spend a lot of time. Um, with some tetrary stuff, like we see a lot of Moo and Death Mask. Um, who for I called him Dad Mask once, and then I felt gross about it. So I think I'm just going to keep saying Death Mask. Um, and Doko, um, like Death Mask, like outing Doko at Gold Knight right there was kind of shocking. But I mean, we all done knew. But like, it 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 just kind of eased you into the Twelve Houses arc. So it was it was good. It was what I was hoping for, not necessarily what I expected. Ben, just your thoughts overall. Before right, we go more in depth. Yeah, my overall thoughts of um, on these four episodes are actually very positive. I actually had a very strange experience with them because I actually. Well, the first watching... well, we were talking about we're going to the we're talking about each episode like individually. So if you want to like overall this first episode, okay. no, I'm focus I'm focusing on this episode only. But I started to watch the new season before we finished watching the first one. So uh -huh. many of the things that like how to put it, I loved it when I watched it the first time, but now that on a second with uh, on a second watch with a more more cold mind and more with a more critical eye, I still really like them. I still really like this episode and and, and the rest. But you can but you can still see kind of a few lingering things that come from the first season that they could not just throw out the window completely and that had to start to adapt for the new pacing in this season. So yeah, there are a bit of a couple of pacing issues. Mo is something that I think once we get into detail, I really want to talk about with you guys because, as mentioned previously, I think he's the most changed character out of all the Gold Saints so far. But I liked it in general. I I have a positive view of it. Yeah, that's someone that that's kind of just like kind of afraid. Where it's like I, I'm kind of fresh to it. Like I, I was intentionally holding back until we were doing these episodes to like give my my fresh view on all this. I was. I was decently surprised, and like I will agree with you. I will agree with you, kind of right free on some parts where it's like it was. There's some parts where it's like it looks like there's some parts where it's like um, they're still kind of like they were kind of still tied to the hip to like the original continuity and still some original things that they cannot like you know get away from. Because if not, then you're just going to completely change the show, and you can feel a lot of that type of thing. But at the same time, too, I think like the way there's kind of like skirting it around and moving, moving the start, progression of the story a little bit more forward, nudging it to a point where it's just like, okay, now we're gonna, like, they, like, like we still have to address these things, but like slowly we're gonna like, like start going coming on our own here. And uh, you can still, you can feel from this episode that like it's still kind of like a leftover from like the previous season, but in one of the better, in in a better way. Like I feel like this was like that really good middle part of the series that we talked that we that we loved. More than it was like that last part of the first part of the series. Like it still needs, like, there's still some some room for improvement. But there, like, like it's very clear from like this first episode going into the second season that it's better. Like there's a lot of things that they that they that they did a lot better with this. And like I said, like one of the best my favorite parts was that whole entire conversation with Death Mask and um, Doko, where he's like, "Oh, you're 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 the you're the gold scene of Libra," and he got him out, but. You know, and then Mu comes out and, and saves him. So it's like it's really interesting. It's really, really cool. It was like one of my that was, in the in the original series. That was like one of my favorite parts of the series. When you know, it, and it's a shame that like um, Shiryu is not there to like co to confront them. But at the same time, too, it's really cool to see. It's like even like you know, even though we, we even though like we know like what what um Doko's true power, we can start seeing that little little bit of it like in, as early as this this part of the series and i really did i really didn't enjoy that that they tried to do that and it was really really cool to do that. so 
Um, but like I said, overall, this first episode, it was really good, and I'm really happy that, that I'm really happy with that, with the results. And I think I know what I, I think I know what the problem is. It has the same problem where I feel like the the episodes are going like uh, this is like the, the, I feel like this is a remnant of, the, of that first season because it feels like we're going about like 10 million miles per hour compared to the other next two epi- next three episodes. I feel like we're like like we we did like 50 different things in like in one, in about one episode. We had uh, we we had to, we had to address this. We had to address Doko and, and Death Mask. And we had to address um we had to address like uh we had to address Sienna being being shot by the Bidiero. We had to address like hit, like Polymy where they had to fight him, and then we had to address move repairing their armors and all that stuff. So it feels like like instead of like like in the, in an, in any other show like that would have been like two episodes. We did all that in one. So I think I feel like that was I think like the leftover from that previous from that from the previous season where we're kind of kind of kind of kind of breakneck speed which is interesting because like i said like once we get to the next episodes it's like they have they're we're starting to see now they're having time to breathe and tell a little bit more of the story with them like these next week's next um with these next um episodes I but actually, um you, one i was just gonna say i actually agree with you a lot because the the first season ended in a very weird place that okay if you know the original story if you know how it goes both in the anime and in the manga like it has a very straightforward progression from them going from them fighting the silver saints to them arriving at the century and then beginning the proper fight with the with the gold saints but here they basically have to 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 tell like three very important events that lead up to that which is that mask appearing at uh, the the at the rosan which is mu basically is encountering and speaking with doko uh Ptolemy uh, attacking the the bronze saints like all of that got like pushed in into just one one episode and then from there start to 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 talk about the and then from there start to actually adapt and go on in the path that is said to travel with the 12 temples but it is like it has to do that so fast because the previous season didn't give any room or or didn't give any proper settlement for that to to begin on a more stable pace so they had to like shove all that as as best as they could so that they could actually begin telling that story so yeah you can kind of see how it suffers from from that which is i wouldn't say that it is a fault of of this particular season but it is like a leftover from the previous season that affects how this begins i your thoughts thank you (laughs) yeah i so i have a conspiracy theory and something ben just said earlier like added fuel to that fire so this is a working theory so like if i fumble up nobody call me out for it don't call me out normally but especially now don't call me out because this is a working theory i digress so um ben just i apologize um i'm not trying to exclude you specifically this is just a callback to an episode that we did before you joined we reviewed the um legend of sanctuary movie yeah. a while mm-hmm. back and one of the things that i noted in that is that they were treating the gold saints kind of with kid gloves like trying to make them much more likable because i don't know if they knew just how iconic the gold saints were going to be back in the 80s and and whenever they were doing this all for the first time the manga and the anime i don't think they realized how iconic those characters are going to be at the time so when they had the chance to retell the story in legend of sanctuary they made all of them redeemable except for death mask sort of but even death mask was like weirdly lovable with his like <laughs> random music number and being wacky and, and aphrodite who like fucking got narked in like 10 seconds yeah <sighs> yeah hashtag, like they... hashtag justice for <laughs> hashtag justice for aphrodite that's still happening 
Yeah, I mean, we got Thank justice. Thank you, Furry. Com- coming up in these episodes, we got justice. They listened to us. Um, All right, keep going. But, but what I'm saying is, like, I see that, I'm starting to see that happen in this, and we'll have to keep an eye out for it, but I really feel like they are trying to make all of all of the gold saints likable despite needing to fight them, whereas that wasn't as much of a concern in the original. Like, I mean, of course you want, you want people to latch onto your characters, but, like, I feel like they were in the original anime, which is my main source um, for for knowledge of the original, they were a lot more ruthless. But now I think that they're, like, trying to humanize them so, to make them likable because they're already established really popular characters. And they don't want pe- they don't want to give them any negative traits. So like every every character, I feel like is being shown to have some kind of positive quality to them as far as the gold saints so far. And their reasoning, the the main thing that makes me say that is because of the flashback. Because I know that we're we're moving ahead a little bit, but um, the the episode two, just kind of building an episode two, we get this extended flashback of the Pope. And seeing kind of their side of why they're so attached to the Pope and why they really believe in him. Aldebaran has his flashback where one of his henchmen, whose name was Cosimodo, which I thought was yeah, hilarious. Yeah, he kept saying it over and over again. <laughs> but anyway, the Pope, like, knew that this guy was going to die. And he, like, you know, stayed by his side as he died. And then he carried him to his grave. And he's such a gracious person. And then we have another scene where... Like we see the internal conflict of him decide making the decision to kill Athena, and that's why the Gold Knights like that's their motivation for supporting him. The ones that do support the Pope is that they see him as this like gracious person that wouldn't make such a rash decision on the turn of a dime or for his own profit or whatever. They see him as this great man. So I think that it kind of builds into my theory that they are they're trying to for lack of a better term, like kid gloves, some of these gold saints, especially the really popular ones, so that you're going to like them, even though they're about to do bad things. You know why they're doing bad things, which I guess is also just good storytelling. But I, I don't know. I just feel like they're handling them a little bit more differently than they handle a lot of the other characters, because all of the gold saints, like, everybody has their favorite gold saint. Everybody has the one that matches their zodiac sign that they like regardless. We've had that discussion a couple of times. It, it's just an observation. Like, have, did you guys notice that? Am I crazy? Yeah. I no actually I'm gonna be honest with you, I hadn't thought about it that way until you just mentioned it. And I think you might be onto something in the sense that they definitely have been giving them a little bit more. Uh okay. The Gold Saints definitely became one of uh, the, the most most even not in popularity in terms of like the uh, the, the the character polls from, from the manga but they have always been very popular characters since their debut and in many places in particularly here in latin america sometimes they're even more popular than the the bronze saints and the protagonists which i i hate that but mm-hmm. okay that's how it is so you cannot deny that they're in a way that they're the flagship of of the series and mm-hmm. uh and i think that they have definitely tried to to portray them in a Many people, one of the many complaints that people have towards Kurumada's stories is that he has a very particular writing style where he focuses completely on the objective of the story of what's going on at hand, and he will sacrifice everything else just to, just to tell that part of the story. That includes mm-hmm. characters' backgrounds, because there are a lot of characters that appear and, and we don't really get to know any single fucking thing about them. That's a fact. You may like or dislike it. That's another thing entirely, but that's just how it is. And I think that they're taking the advantage to actually 
actually uh, flesh them out a little bit more, show those little details that can bring to light those characteristics that are still faithful to the characters, but that give them a little bit more prominence, maybe? Like when you mentioned that, that's my thought, my the train of thought that I started to have, and because also one of the things that we discussed in the previous season, but well, not discussed, touched upon, is that how in the original anime sometimes they they did look kind of like foolish. Some of them look like how did you not realize that you were serving an evil guy this entire time, especially in the anime because the the Pope does a lot of evil things. Like how the hell did you not know, right? And yeah, he, and here. <laughs> They are both trying to adapt some stuff from the original source material from the manga, but as well, they're fitting it with their own new, uh, the, their own vision for, for the story, which is the prophecy. They're using the prophecy to try to hold on to the, to, to, to this is the reason why the Goldstones have betrayed Athena, because here it is not that they know or that they may not know or that I don't know what's going on and we just, oh, these guys are just invading. We have to fight them against the Bronze Saints. Here they are willing. Uh, traitors to Athena, but they're trying to justify that. They're trying to give it uh, a reason. They're trying to give it weight for that decision. And they're using the Pope as the means to do that. And I think that's uh, that's an interesting angle because they have deposited like their fate in this man and they're willing to go with this decision. So it's not that they're being deceived. It's not that they're being deceived per se. It's more of they have been led on to follow this man, but they are doing so willingly. So it's an interesting angle. Yeah, and it's one of the things. It's like, and it's one of the things too. It's like that was something that, like, in the in earlier in the series, um, Sam mentions like, why would the Pope be doing all these? And I'm talking about the original series, like, like you know, it's it's a, it's a known fact that at the very beginning of the series, he's he knows the Pope. Well, you know, if you follow the story, you know, he's yeah, he we we all know the, we all know the real truth of the, of the Pope and stuff like that. And one of the things that's that's interesting is like that we learned that from Sam's perspective. Here we kind of see things from the Gold Saints' perspective. Like they didn't have time to do, they didn't have time to do that in the, in the previous seasons, and they didn't even like establish that in the previous seasons. Now they have the, now they have to do that in the current. They have to do that with the current season with the current with the current characters they have right now. Yeah, it it, it just it felt. I, I will say though, while we're on the subject of the you know their their um, motivations and things like that. I I think that they kind of dropped the ball ever so slightly in that in the scene where you know um, the Pope is describing why they need to kill this literal child and he was very heartbroken about it at least it seemed but they he mentioned he mentions that they're still gonna get attacked by Poseidon and Hades so what what purpose will killing her do? Like because they don't say specifically that she's gonna trigger something that's gonna cause them to to fail. They're gonna attack no matter what because they said that like part of that scene was that Hades and Poseidon are still coming. So I it, they're they're still failing to connect the death of Athena equals good for me. Like it's still that I'm still not making a whole lot of sense with that. Um, but yeah, the they the, when when Ben just said earlier that um. I, I can't remember. Was it on the stream where you were talking about Netflix may not have had control? Ah, uh, yeah, the, of the story. Yeah, I mentioned it early. We talked about a little stuff before we started recording. Sorry, but um, no. So when when you said that it might have been Toei that was more making some of the big like broad strokes for the story, I noticing the same thing happening in Legend of Sanctuary. All those like back in I think it was like 2014 when that came out. Noticing the same kind of way that they are handling the Gold Saints and making them not just more rounded characters, but making them less evil and less kind of 
um, I don't want to say stupid. What's the word I'm looking for? Like um, naive. They make it. No, I don't want to say competent. Yeah, like 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 they don't know what's going on. Like they now they fully are aware of what's happening. Like they're they're not space brained. Mm. They're not just fighting to fight. Like, <laughs> well, we haven't really gotten to death mass motivations yet. Like I'm I'm excited to see what they do with that character. But it's still, um, yeah, they the 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 motivations make a lot more sense. And Fair if enough. it sounds like we are avoiding talking about the fighting, it's because the episode, the first episode, the fighting was real brief because they had to get through so much, like we said. And the second episode was taken up. Well, actually, a lot of these episodes are taken up by flashbacks because they are trying to put as much into that as possible. The fightings, I am happy to say the fighting did last longer than 30 seconds in these episodes. So good for mm. them for making a fighting anime have fighting in it. <laughs> Real good on them. Um, but yeah, the because he fought against Taurus and the um, Aldebaran in the second house. And we all know how I feel about him. Probably my favorite character in Saint Seiya. They did. Mm. He looked really great. His armor looked great. All of the gold saints they've shown off so far look really, really great. We get a, like a brief shot of most of them at the very end of the opening. And then we had that one real low res image of the poster that was hard to zoom in on. But they all <laughs> like all the gold saints so far that we've seen look really great. But Aldebaran, I was super happy to see him. I'm glad that they kept his unibrow because I was going to be real sad if they took that away. Um, and he was he was another one that um, I really feel like got a glow up story wise from this. Um, I know I keep talking about Legend of Sanctuary a lot, but that was that was the other like big shakeup in how these characters are are characterized. In that movie, he was in on the joke of needing to train and make sure that Seiya uses the seventh sense. In this one, it's more traditional in that he's genuinely surprised that Seiya is able to access his seventh sense because um, you know you have touch taste hearing sight feel and oh no wait i said touch twice didn't i no you said once touch taste seeing hearing what am i missing smell smell there we go so you got those five then you got seeing dead people and then you got awakening your cosmos. So that's those are the seven senses. Um, <laughs> Understood that. It took a long time for me to get that joke there, but I hope it landed. But anyway, so in, in this one, he's genuinely surprised that Seiya can use his seventh sense because it's not something that bronze saints have ever really been known to be able to do. Um, and that's what kind of changes his mind. Like he does make the bet saying that if he can knock the horn off, um, but he's not in the joke, but he does a really quick heel turn to kind of side with um, with the bronze saints. And Moo, who for some reason I kept calling Moo Moo Meadows, so I guess that's his name now. Um, but yeah, uh, he his character as a whole didn't change a whole lot. He's still kind of like a gruffy, not super talkative older guy. But yeah, I my my stamp of approval on this adaptation of Aldebaran. Speaking of Moo, well, now that you mention him, how do you guys feel about how Moo was portrayed in this episode? In this particular episode or in this season? This series. Oh, okay. Yeah, I like it. I Because he, it seems like they're playing him to be younger and a little bit more inexperienced, as we noticed towards the end of the first season. Like, he was wanted to jump in and help, um, but he's also kind of hard-headed, and he's learned, like, he still seems like he's, it, it seems like they're playing him as, the like, the newest Gold Saint. Like, they haven't come out and said that, but, like, everybody else seems to be a little bit more... Um, adept to everything that he is and he like he's still learning but i really like him so far like he's 
much more personable than he was in the anime. Yeah, and I was gonna say in the anime, like in the anime and the manga, it's like you know, I think like he has like I like like it's like I said, I think this is the fault of like this is the fault of Kuromata, like you said earlier, where it's like the characters are just there to just get to get to point A to point B, and I didn't really get much of a um, I didn't get really much of a feel to to move other than like he's he's a he's a caring guy that can repair stuff mm-hmm. and that he. And like here, we get to see a little bit more. Where it's like he's still kind of unsure of himself, especially since we now know it's like you know, he is kind of like the new new kid on the block with with his uh, being the Aries in, in saint. And you know, if, when, when, once we put that information together, it kind of makes sense. It's like where he's kind of naive, kind of like wondering like where, where he is in the world and like when he should when he's consulting Doko to you know the the elder the eldest of all of them to like tell him like okay, what should I do next and stuff like that or what. What do you think I should be doing? It makes more. It makes better sense for him to be asking these questions because he's still kind of, kind of unsure about it. And you know, even even up to a point, even when we get to the very beginning, where it's like he starts showing him, like when the first back to going back to the first episode, um, he he shows him the, the the prophecy, you know, and like you know, and he, and but he quickly also realizes that maybe this is a, maybe they can do something about this. Maybe they can do something. Maybe they, they can like fight. Maybe they can change everything. Maybe maybe this is. Maybe it's all written, not written in stone. So, man, I'll, I'll help these guys out because I, I can now see that, like, I can now see why Doko had put, put fate in them. So it's it's stuff like that that, that I'm that I'm finding a little bit more interesting and and I find more interesting because, like I said, like if I really, like I really feel with like Mu in the original series, he like I said, he was just a kind of a one note kind of character. Like he's character, he's character, he's kind, gentle, and you know he can and he uses and he uses he uses a mirror ability and he can teleport you away. And he can teleport sometimes. That's about it. That's as much as we got from the original series. I'm pretty sure Benji's like, what the fuck? But um, uh, I mean, there there is a bit more to him in in, but not that much. So I, I agree with you in that. I I just uh, here's the thing. I do like I do like Mu. I I like I find it interesting, and I do like the way that they've been they've handled him to fit in more with the rest of the Gold Saints uh, overall in 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 this series. Because this way, like he has, like uh, he originally was on on Doko's side, like he's on Athena's side. That's why he went uh, to see him. That's why he went and assisted them to escape from the volcano. But then we come back, and then he sees that Athena has been hit by by the killing uh, arrow. And in, and when he realizes this, like he's like, ah, fuck, like 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 everything's going to shit. So he decides, to, like, okay. If he, when he sees that, that's when he decides to attack the Bronze Saints, and he shows them why they're doing it. Well, he shows them apparently what's going to happen according to this prophecy, and it's when he, when Seiya, because he binds them all using his telekinesis, he has uh, the four Bronze Saints uh, hold up in the air, and he has them with a tight grip, and when Seiya is able to break that, he's surprised by that, because he he's a gold saint in the end, and they all know that the bronze saints should not be able to touch upon the seventh sense or master it like they have. So seeing that, I think, is what gives him hope to to return to to this idea of maybe maybe we can trust in these people. We maybe we can trust in Athena. So it's interesting to see that that um, dynamic here, but. It is strange coming from like if you know the original source material, seeing him do that in the first place, it's kind of baffling. But I didn't mind; mm-hmm. it. I, I liked it. All right. So, any closing thoughts um, for the for this first episode? We we know we know your full we know we know your next ep- we know your thoughts on the next episode, Conrad Rider Furry. Your your final thoughts on episode one? Um, just that I wish the the only thing I wish they would have done is just my it's been my complaint with this arc 
since I watched the original anime, is they don't do a very good job of explaining why once the, um, like, think of it kind of like as an RPG, like, you, somebody starts off as your enemy and then you convince them to join your team, and then you can use them as a playable character or somebody to fight with, but <laughs> when, when like, Moo and Aldebaran change their minds, they just kind of stay there and don't help, and it's like, having a gold saint fight along them would be a massive help, and I get that it's like, their journey or whatever, but if you're going to, like, support Athena, and you know that she's only got 12 hours, and you're on this massive time crunch, like, why why are they not lending to help a hand? And I feel like I vaguely remember, like, maybe Moo needed to stay next to Athena to keep an eye on her in the anime. But in this one, he just d- just stands there. He's like, bye. Like, there's no, there, there's no, like, him trying to help whatsoever. And it just, like, I wish that they would have at least had some kind of throwaway line of why he can't participate in fighting or why he's not going to, like, travel with them to help out or try to convince, like, the Pope. Like, that's, that could have been another route. Like, if, if the Pope's the only one that can remove it, why don't one of the gold saints, like, go and try to convince the Pope to do it? You know, I don't know. Like, I just feel like they're not helping very much. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think they, they could have done that better because I think they want you to, like, it's imp- it's implied that the reason he doesn't do it in this in this series is because he's still, even though he has been like, okay, I'm going to give you a chance, he's still not 100% convinced that they can pull it off. So it, in that way, it kind of makes sense for him to stay, but it does, I am inferring this. They don't really do a very good job in... A, not stating it because it's not that like it's show don't tell right but i think they didn't sh- neither sh- they didn't neither show it nor did they tell it so it's kind of difficult to to make that jump in logic unless you you are like stretching it and trying to make things fit yeah and, like it i just there's the if it, they'd had a line or even like just like maybe a scene of them walking up the stairs like to go to the taurus temple and like him maybe like hesitating to follow them and deciding not to like anything that could indicate that he or throw knows... away line or throw away, or throw away line like look I can try to help you guys but I'm but the Pope is looking has eyes all over the place right. unfortunately I got I got to stay I got to we have to stay behind like a, a throwaway line like that would have actually helped as well it just it it feels it it felt awkward like the moment where they left the Ares Temple was an awkward moment because it fe- it felt like that like. When, like, you're hanging out with your friends and three of them are like, yeah, we're going to run to McDonald's and grab some food. And you're just like, you don't want to invite yourself, but you're like, also, like, I'm already here hanging out. Does that mean I'm going with you? Like, what's the what, mm-hmm. what's the deal here, guys? I'm awkward. Yeah. Like, that's how it felt as they were, like, leaving without Moo. It was just very yeah. strange. All right. Um, any other any other closing thoughts on episode one? Mm, just one. I, I thought that the Ares Temple looked beautiful. The detail oh, was yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think this is the first time we've actually seen that much detail inside the, the temples. Uh, so it was it was interesting to see that he lives in a fucking mansion. <laughs> Who has some I, was gonna, cash? I was gonna I was gonna say I made a I made a joke on Twitter. It's like, god damn, the, the rent there's gotta be there's gotta be astronomically high. And I also remembering too when I I think I made this joke when we were um I well, back in the back when we had our other hosts as well. And also like way back when we were reviewing the the when we got to this point in the in the, in the anime, it's like so like do they just like how the hell do they just sleep there? You know, how the hell is like they just like just like do they have like a do they have like a bed or do they get like Wi-Fi when they're there? They're, like do they have a bathroom? But now that kind of explains it. Like, yeah, it's like it's kind of a mansion. So it's like, yeah, and that makes perfect sense why they would be staying there. 
Well, I mean, in the original anime, like half the time they weren't even like it. It made it seem like it was a big deal for them to go to their own damn houses. Like they were off doing other stuff, and it was like a chore to go back. So I don't. Maybe they don't live there. Maybe it's just like a statement piece. I don't know. But no, yeah. Moose was nice. Yeah, Moose was nice. Same with um, uh, Elder Barons as well. But like, the, we're, actually, we'll get to that. Actually, let's get to that right now. Let's talk about episode two. But I know you talked a lot about episode two, so we're gonna leave you for last, comment Writer Furry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yes. But um, Ben just. Your thoughts on I, episode two? I really liked it. This uh, begins very faithfully to 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 how it goes, both in the anime and in the manga. Say, yeah, okay, they all arrive at the Taurus Temple. Aldebaran is there waiting for them, and basically he takes out of commission the other three brown saints and they're left unconscious. Mm -hmm. So say is the one that has to step up and fight Aldebaran. And then they have their, their exchanges where it is plain apparent that they're no match compared to a gold saint. And that, and that's when they have, to, well, Seiya has to realize that in order for him to be able to even stand ground with Aldebaran, he has to wake up this, start to wake up the seven cents so that he can be on even footing with him, which is the essence of the Cosmo. I really like that. I, I like the animation in general. I mean, there are still a few details here and there, but I'll, I'll save all that for my final thoughts overall. Uh, in general, I really, really like how, how it was portrayed. I like the action. I found interesting one thing. The scene where Aldebaran, where they find Quasimodo. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have I a... Quasimodo. It's interesting because they decided to use Aldebaran to include that scene. That scene where the Pope basically goes and gives a peaceful death to somebody. It's an adaptation from a similar scene in the manga. In the manga, there's a scene where a saga, well, the Pope, a, accompanied by a random, uh, a random soldier, is accompanied to see an old man in a in a village that's close to the sanctuary called Rodorio. Uh, he's dying, but he's like desperate because he doesn't want to die because he's afraid that he's gonna go to hell because of all the sins he committed throughout life. Saga goes there and helps him to to give him a peaceful death, and he's able to die peacefully. That's why. That that helps to 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 portray the, this this reason of why they don't really distrust the Pope and why they follow his orders without question and why they still believe Athena is in the temple because at, at Saga when he's not completely possessed by his evil side it, to comp to compensate for the evilness that he has done and and the evil acts he has done because of, of his evil side he also does these good deeds but those good deeds also serve to hide the actions of his evil self. Anyway, mm -hmm. they used that scene and they adapted it here to both give motive for Aldebaran to, to, to as to why he's loyal to the Pope and also adapted that little scene from there. I, I do find it odd. The execution was a bit tossed because even though it was a good scene, I really liked it. But at the same time, it's like, why is he like that? What happened? Did a rock fall on him? Why is he going to die? Like, it's not it's not like anybody else is attacking them right now. The bronze saints, it's never stated that it was because of them. That's like the only illogical thing about that scene. But other than that, I really liked it. Another little complaint that I have is that instead of uh, using the teachings, of, say yeah, one of the things that a lot of people tend to to see past past him is his actual intelligence, how he's able to use like uh, tactics and the knowledge that he has gathered from when he was training with Marin and things that he, she taught him to to be able to pull up to pull through in certain fights. And in this one, okay, Seiya still it still looks like a very competent and intelligent person, but I I miss that they did not use the the sword in the in the hey, what what do you call the the thing that holds the sword? Sorry, I forgot the, the, the sheath. Film. The sheath. Thank you. Yeah, that the allegory of that of that story 
like he uses that because he realizes that's how Alderaan attacks. And that's how, even though he's less powerful than him, when he's he's able to hold up against that and not die because he used his intelligence to 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 hold up against his technique before he awakened the seven sins like that, and then gradually starts to awaken it, and that's when he's able to cut the horn. In here, it's they here they decided to adapt the scene that they did not put in the first season of Marin teaching him the essence of the cosmos. That still fits; it's still good, but I think that you lose a little bit of of Seiya's ability to to be I God I forgot the word, but to be intelligent when when he's fighting. So that's like the one complaint that I would have about the episode. Everything else I like. All right, all right. Um, I had no no real problems with it to be honest. Actually, out of all these episodes, I think this was actually one of my favorites because, like, I like one of the things I find it, one of the things I liked about the episode is that for the first time, holy moly, we actually got thirty. They actually gave these kinds these guys times to these these guys time to do their fight and do everything else with it. I think that was one of the key things that I think we complained about in the last the, the last couple of episodes where it's like they go so fast that like that we're going in fast forward that like things think important events start to like start to blend into each other. It's like literally one episode, like, wait, five different things happened and we and that all happened in one episode. Here at least we can at least say all this happened in one episode. And it's spaced out and it's spaced out in such a way where it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like they're trying to cram in so much to, just to make an arbitrary point. But it now feels a little bit more like the, the flow of the actual episode feels a little bit more natural, a little bit more better to like, you know, to follow. And I didn't I didn't mind them changing the changing that changing the whole thing with, with the cosmos with, with Seiya. I do think like I think I like I do think that's a result of them having to do things in one episode, which I think I think it's better they, they, that they did in one episode. I think the next episode is a little bit more important to have as two episodes. Because now we're starting now we're now we're now we're starting to do now we're starting to like go back to the whole argument of like what's your allowment of time? Like what episode is gonna be? What episode and what aspect are you gonna try to cut down so we can get to stuff a lot more f- faster and stuff that we can just focus a little bit more time on? And I think, I think when, when we get to episodes three and four, I think I think they made the better decision. But that's again, that's just me. But overall, I, I thought it was a really good episode. I did like that whole part with with him with Quasimodo, and that was a really, that was really, that was a really interesting kind of like aspect that they tried to like make. Make um they make um, not they make not just the Pope a compassionate character, but also make um Aldebaran Aldebaran very very a very compassionate character as well. It's one of the things that I really didn't like. I know Karmapur is gonna give me shit for this, but like I didn't really feel no connection to to Aldebaran, but I like I feel a little bit more closer to the character in this series than I did in the original series because I I'll, again like when it goes back when we start like again this goes back to something that Ben just brought up where it's like. Things were kind of done as like a check mark just so they can like get to the second they can get get to the next point. And he was one of those characters where it's like we didn't get really much depth because of that. So it's like, oh, he's just big dude that can do attack. Like those that can that can attack you, and that's about it. And it's like here at least at least we get a little bit more depth and a little bit more of a of like well, we get like an idea of like how the character is, and like we get to see more of that kind of character. And we spend a lot of, we spend equal amount of time, not just like you know, figuring out who like you know Alder um Alderan. But also we we also get to see like a little bit more like you know how these how the saints have to like face have to face their like their 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 um, actions when they when they the further along they go along these twelve houses. So that's why I think that's why I said like this is one of my favorites because like it 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 it, it may have gone quite fast, but they found a way to like give it enough breathing room where it didn't feel chaotic, and I and they gave you and it also gave me a little bit more of an excuse to like make this make them to enjoy the, to enjoy some of the more character. The more character-driven um, p- parts of the episode as well. 
So, um, your final thoughts, Ben, just on this episode? I really liked it. Okay, I really liked it too. Come right for you. Is there any other thing you want to expose? You have like, you, you have like two minutes. I just have two things to say. Number one is on. you just added more fuel to my fire that Toei is really wanted to flush out these gold saints and make them more likable because I. I can fully admit once you see past the the fact that I just like really large men, he uh-huh. didn't have a lot of character development, but that's not what I'm looking for. <laughs> Sorry, it's hard to say with a straight face. Sorry. The joke was yes. that, that that's not what I care about. Um, but I do care about good characters, so that was very much a joke. Um but no, that that just kind of fuels my fire that they're they Want, they don't want there to be a chance for you to dislike any of these characters or to give you like bad qualities to latch on to because he was even even though he was like the quote monster of the day if you want to kind of put it that way because it was he, it was his big fight episode he was still portrayed as an extremely likable character mm-hmm. and i kind of feel like we're going to keep seeing that with the gold saints from from here forward um them just having some motivation to not just be evil for the sake of evil or just be two-dimensional. Um, my other thing is that there was two moments in this block of episodes. I'll get to the second one when we get to that episode because it's a different episode. But there's two moments in these block of episodes uh, that really pulled me back into that season one headspace of um, the animation not being good, which the animation for this season is has been improved, especially in the action department, that they don't look so un- uncanny valley when they're talking anymore. Um, also, they're, the, they're also not canned as well. Like, like, that was another thing that we complained about. Like, oh my god, like, we, we saw that same animation, we saw the same animation with with uh, with, with, with Sean so many times that we, we were like, you can make a drinking game out of that. So that was another big another one of your complaints. But yeah, keep yeah. on. Yeah, but just like, the the one thing that really took me back is they couldn't i i understand animation is expensive but they couldn't have done some kind of like helmetless version for these guys in the flashback um mm. that cuz they were visiting their friend but they were fully dressed and helmeted and and armor and everything and one of the guys like starts crying and like does a wipe like like wipes his face or something oh, but God. he's got a helmet on and it's, <laughs> yeah, it just it really took me out of the scene i was like why couldn't they have just done a quick like character render it didn't have to look fantastic because they're probably not ever going to be seen again but just do a quick like generic character to be this guy's non-helmeted friend like they even could have kept him in the rest of the outfit but just like the part where he was like crying with this helmet on just completely took me out of it and reminded me that they this is not like a limitless budget show and they really had to cut corners here and there in order to get the the really good parts to look really good i just wish there was just a little teensy bit of extra effort that i wish they had put in to make that scene hit a oh. little bit harder because it just really took me out of it now and now that I you just... mentioned that i actually there's one complaint that i've had with this show as a whole since the first season but i kept forgetting to mention it every single episode we recorded they ha- the Bronze Saints have not worn their helmet once. I not mentioned that in the first episode. I mentioned uh, that. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I, I had forgotten. I, I hate that so much. I, that's one of my pet peeves with the series overall, even in the manga, when, like, okay, we wear it for, like, two seconds and bam, then like, it gets knocked off and they never use it again. I hate that so much. I love the helmets. Why don't you wear them? Uh, and the Bronze Saints have, have never used them in a single episode of the series. And apparently the reason for that Guess what? Money. No, no, no. It's not. It's not money. It's oh, it's hard to animate with the helmets on. That well, makes sense. 
and maybe maybe it wasn't episode one. Maybe it was me and Ramsey's talking about it beforehand. But I remember making the comment that like I hate that they don't wear the helmet. And at the time, Ramsey said something that made a lot of sense to me that like the um the the more popular iterations of the characters are the ones from further down the line where they just had more like tiaras than actual yeah like full on helmets. And so the helmets, while they were in the series for quite a long time, just aren't as nostalgic or iconic as the later iterations are. And maybe that's why they did that. But it's probably also because the animation would be a lot harder to do, for sure. Yeah, and, like, uh, and that's what I was, that was giving me my point, where it's like, on one hand, you have to, when it came to the, about them not having their tiaras or their helmets or whatever, is that, you know, for the most part, like, you know, you can cut, you can cut that corner because, like, they're only wearing tiaras and whatever. Like, then no one's going to notice, notice. Apparently, we all did. And also, too, it's just like, <laughs> but, too, it's like, like, I, I, like, I, like, 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 my comrade Furry mentioned, and, like, what I said, too, because, like, we were getting, I, I remember this argument now. The argument was that you liked Iki's first cloth from the anime. And I was like, right. no, his, 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 his cloth, this cloth they got later, the blue, the blue and the, the blue and the silver one with the tiara was way better. And I still, I'm so firmly in that camp where it was like that, those, that look of the tiara is still one of my favorite looks for all the characters. Because I, I don't know, because like, maybe cause the first episode I saw was um, Asgard, and I was introduced to the characters with that armor. And I, I guess that it, it, they were more striking to me when I saw them when I was growing up in that, in, the, in those with the tiaras and all that stuff than I was with those with those weird helmets. But like going back, it's like yeah, so like if that like since that was the thing I think that you were using for like their reference material and stuff like that, like those, those older those, the designs from the manga and stuff like that, where it's like everybody was wearing that stuff even at the very beginning. I'm pretty sure like yeah, we can just cut this and like save our, save ourselves a save ourselves a um, save ourselves a few. Two thousand dollars were like you know not 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 animating the helmets. I'm pretty sure that that's their logic. And two, I think like you can see that the parts where the helmet, but where where the tiara parts were, they they come be they become integrated to their chest. Yeah, mm-hmm. so weird. So I'm pretty sure that's their logic too. It's like yeah, we, we want to so in lieu of them having their helmets, we'll just put it in their chest, whatever. Save us a couple of thousand dollars. We don't have to like we don't have to like worry about that. So it's like no. a part of his budget. Part of it has to be like you know it's like that's more of their iconic look. So it's a bit of column A, a little bit of column B. Well, yeah. Again, we want to know. It's I have one other complaint though. Oh, hold on, hold on. Oh, okay, first things first. Ben, just you go first. I just, I just said uh, I understand. It's just a shame. That's it. Okay, um, camera referee, your last point. Oh no, I was just I was just gonna make the complaint that like we we really talked about it. Um, I think Ben just mentioned it in either the last episode or the episode before. Um, just how they kind of like. It's instead of like the the armor is getting damaged, they just kind of get dirty and like kind of crackly, but like not consistent or anything like that. And mm-hmm. it just it really annoyed me because um you know they we spend an entire episode or an entire part of an episode of Moo repairing the cloths and they make this big deal to show like close ups of how like new and shiny they look, and then they get hit by one of Aldebaran's attacks, and all of a sudden they're all gritty and, like, crusty again, and I'm just like, he just, like, knocked you over slightly. Like, why is your armor looking, like, dusty, crusty, busty? Like, I just... Well, to be fair... It's, like, an aesthetic that they're going for, and I just... It's just kind of eh. So, to be honest, there, there, I did, there was one thing I did enjoy, and, like, when we get to, like, when we get to later episodes, um, I did, like, it's, like, over over the time, that it's becoming more apparent that, that their, their clots are getting damaged. Because I remember in episode four, we get to see up close um, Shun's on- Chan's armor, and she has her like it's like you can tell like after the fight she's been having, 
it's starting to become more damaged over time. Like the, the scrapes and the things like that are starting to become more apparent as opposed to being like, oh, just a couple of scratches, a couple of scratches, a couple of black spots right here and there. You can just like buffer it out. But now it's like, now it's time, like I, I, we're starting to slowly see gradually that the cloths are starting to become more damaged as time progresses with the story. And so like, I'm so, and it was interesting to see like when they get to that point, it's like they suddenly, well, I will give you this one, going back to episode one, it's like well, we, we, we see the cloth and they're like, yeah, you, they're all, they're all kind of like, like what did, what the fuck did Moo do? Did he, just, did he just like take like, you know, turtle, turtle wax and just like wax it off or something? It's, it's weird because actually now that you mentioned that, and I did forget to talk about that in, in the previous episode, uh, like Moo repairs the cloths because that's what he does. Uh -huh. But like, what was the point of repairing them? Like, well, okay, you could argue that again, I think it was a, a matter of not executing it well. Because he could have said that I need to repair your armor so that you can withstand the power of of the gold saints, but he doesn't. Okay, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't remember him saying anything about it. He just does that. Just no, he, he, he. Yeah, he just takes them because, like, I think he, I think he notices it. Like, like we because, like, before he takes them, he sees them up close, and he's like, uh, like he just like no, he doesn't even say anything. He just sees them up close, and like he just takes them, like yoink, mine. Which which actually didn't make any sense because in the manga, like, okay, Shiryu's, uh, Shons, and, and Hyogas weren't that damaged, but there was a little bit of damage. But Seiya's was completely destroyed, so it made sense mm -hmm. for him to repair the, the cloths there. In the anime, Kiki shows them that all the cracks that their cloths have uh, that they cannot see uh, with their bare eyes, but that they're there. So it makes sense for them to repair. What was the point of repairing the armors here? They haven't gotten even a scratch. They're only dirty. So that's like one thing that when you think about it, it's like, why? Like for people mm. seeing this series, just this series does make sense. And he then, took a hose out back and just washed them down. Yeah, <laughs> as I said, he just put, he just put turtle. He just, he just went on the buffer with turtle waxing. He's like those mechanics. Like, okay, it's gonna be a hundred and fifty. What did you do? I repaired your car, but what did you do? A hundred and fifty dollars. <laughs> God, God damn it! Uh, I hate when they do that. So, <laughs> like, okay, so uh, my overall thoughts is that it was like I said, a really good episode. I'm really happy. I'm really happy that they're giving time for these characters to breathe. Well, little weird things aside, it's a really good episode. I'm, I highly recommend it. Um, why don't we go on to... Here's one thing I want to ask you guys. You guys want to do these episodes together? Episodes three and four? Or you want to take these separately? They kind of blend into each other pretty well. Yeah, I think... Yeah, because it's one story just to divide into two episodes. And so, it, it, why don't, so, yeah. So why, don't, so, why don't we do that? Why don't we... Why don't we, why don't we, why don't we mix in episodes three and four? Because, like, yeah. Because that, that was one of the things I was going to get to. That was one of the points I was going to get at. Where it's like, episodes three, episodes three and four, they're great. But I think we can we can we can condense both of those stories. We can condense both of those episodes into into one discussion because like they they pretty much go like hand in hand with each other. So, yeah. um, Ben, just why don't you why don't you get us start off with uh, with uh, with, the, with talking about these episodes? Okay, I actually love this episode. I really really like both these episodes. Yeah. Okay. On the one hand, it finally started to show. Like, remember how we said last time that one of the flaws of the previous season was that the new ideas that they had they didn't incorporate them very well that the execution was the 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 the, the problem most for for the most part and and you can finally start to see how when you execute something right or when you try to give it its proper time you can actually see results one of the things that the previous season didn't have was you don't get to know the past of any of the characters but Seiya and Seiya is only shown because he's a protagonist you don't know anything about the other characters 
you don't know anything about them. I think that only Shiryu briefly touches upon his past, but you know, but you don't get to actually see how his training was. You don't get to see the training of Hyoga. You don't get to see the training of Sean of Sean and Iki. How the hell did they end up becoming saints? And th this, well, that's how that goes a little bit later in the episode. But this episode first, right? Diving into the 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 Gemini Gemini Temple. And mm. it goes beat for beat how, how the episode goes, but it does it very well. And one thing that I genuinely loved and was so excited to see, this episode is the very first, episode three is the very first time that we get to see in an animated form the Kolondi Smerg, which is Hyoga's mm. uh, most powerful technique uh, before he learns the Aurora execution. And that technique was only shown in the manga. The anime, when they adapted his attack, they changed the name and the execution to the Aurora Thunder Thunder attack. But the original attack, it's the Colondius merge. So we get to see that animated for the first time here. And I also like how they actually start to banter a little bit and you get to see a little bit more of their personalities. When, when Hyoga is criticizing Sean for being too soft and too too passive and Hyoga's hot-headedness ends up getting him and Sean into trouble. I also like how they executed the scene with uh, Shiryu being blind and not being deceived by the illusion of Gemini. It was it was really great. And then mm. uh, uh, and then the and then Sean sh showing the past of Sean and Iki, how they end up becoming saints. I I liked it because even though it's mm -hmm. com it's completely new, but they finally give a background to these characters, and we finally start to see uh, them fitting into this universe and how it goes in this uh, continuity. And seeing Daedalus, man, seeing Cephil's uh, Daedalus animated, oh, yeah. and and seeing Aphrodite all as well, both of them being badasses, it, it was some. I I loved it. The fight might have might might have been a little bit lacking in terms of. I would have liked to see a, a bit more pizzazz, but but I still loved it. I I really loved it. I I loved this episode. No, that's that's good to hear. Carver, for your initial thoughts on these two episodes, um, justice for Aphrodite has been attained. Um, yes. This so, like I said, my my theory about the Gold Saints having kind of kid gloves on is a working theory, because Aphrodite was not shown in the best light here, but it was also our first introduction to him and and really like seeing him on screen and it was this was the setup that was done so much better than Yami because one of my biggest complaints whenever we were reviewing this equivalent of batch of episodes in the original series on the show is that they took a lot of care in setting up each one of the bronze saints to have a rival gold saint like obviously leo is going to be seiya's and shiryu has a couple of run-ins with um with death mask beforehand to set that up and you know you've got um uh the anime equivalent of Hyoga's teacher being killed, obviously, um, by, um, I'm completely blanking. Um, he got, killed. he got killed. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, there's reasons for them to want to fight them, but the flimsiest of all was Shun's reason because Shun, like, uh, June just delivers this message that a gold saint killed all of his friends. And that like, that was it. Like there wasn't a lot of setup. It was like, they were running out of time and Shun needed a rival. Um, and I remember when we were talking about it, um, you guys told me, uh, um, you and our previous host told me that it was set up much better in the manga. So I'm assuming that mm -hmm. this follows the manga a little bit more closely um, because mm, Aphrodite yeah, is kinda. directly involved in, in the killing and legitimately gives a reason 
why they should why why girl or shun should not like be aphrodite's like rival i guess like they're not like real they're not pushed real hard but like those are those iconic fights you like everybody always remembers the shidu versus death mass fight like one of the most iconic moments of the show and if they hadn't set it up which is something i'm kind of worried about right now because they haven't really been setting it up in this one but in the original mm-hmm. manga if they had or in the original anime had they not set it up it, i don't feel like it would have been as impactful so I'm a little bit worried about this one because they're not setting that up as well. But Aphrodite is looking like going to be a great part of the show. And I'm super, super excited about um, the only thing that I didn't really like was the same complaint that we had with the first batch of episodes, which is how they handle Cosmo and these kids being abducted because they're showing signs of Cosmo. I just don't like that story beat. Mm-hmm. I I wish that they like I didn't feel like it was necessary to show that flashback where with Shun or um, Sean. And Nero, I, I mean, I guess it was necessary. Just call him, just call him, just, just call him Iki and Chun. Just, just keep. Don't, don't, don't try to stress. Don't, don't, don't try to, don't, 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 don't try to make, don't, don't try yeah. to stress yourself out about it. But no, I, I, it was no. I'm just, I'm just trying to find the right way to say it. Like it was, I, I liked seeing, uh, Sean and Jeanette, which is Junae's equivalent. I don't know if we've been over that yet. Um, but I liked seeing their friendship start to grow. That was super mm-hmm. cute. I liked that part of the flashback. But the mm-hmm. flashback of her, her, of like how Iki got abducted as a kid, like standing in place of Sean and all of that kind of stuff. I don't know if I necessarily needed that because I just, I really hate the like child Cosmo manifestation thing because it causes a lot of problems, I feel like, in the story that they're still not bothering to address. And the fact that they decided to carry that over to season two when they really could have just like swept that under the rug because we only really saw it one time. In the first season, they could have just forgot that existed, but they're not going to. Uh, but other than that, mm-hmm. though, these episodes are really great. Um, I always like seeing, as, as much as I don't like the whole gender swap thing, I always like seeing Andromeda have time to shine. I just feel like there's a lot... It, it's weird, because I know I keep saying that I want to see different things. I want to see them do different things. But the parts that I really want to see incorporated aren't being incorporated consistently, and that's concerning me a little bit and i kind of want to know um from you guys if i'm maybe overthinking it but the one thing that i really really liked from the original anime is like how well i kind of loved and hated it i guess i should say is how obvious they made it that the pope was the gemini saint how like a saga Mm -hmm. like spoiler alert sorry sorry to spoil that but i mean it's like a 40 year old show um (laughs) (laughs) sorry to spoil that for you but um but they they really hammered it home in the anime. And one of my favorite scenes in the anime was when Shun is in the Gemini temple and sends the, uh, the chain through the void and then ends up actually attacking the person on the other end, which is the Pope. And that's like the first major, like they kind of beat around the bush a little bit before, but that's the first major like realization that the Pope is most likely the Gemini Saint, like because they're, now they're directly connected with this suit of armor and the Pope. But in this one, they didn't show that part, and I don't know if they're just trying to like make the surprise kind of kind of like they were doing with, say, a sister in the first season. I don't know if they're just not wanting to push it a whole lot because they want it to be a surprise, or if they just didn't have time to do it, or they just didn't think to do it. But like as, so far in the episodes that we've seen there's been no solid connection between Saga or the Gemini Saint and the Pope. 
But there's been no indication that the Pope is even fake, because that was a big deal in the original, is that like Saga wasn't always the Pope. So I, I don't... I just I want to know where they're going with this and and what kind of story beats they're trying to hit because I feel like that was a good opportunity that that's one of my all time favorite parts of the anime is when that chain just goes right through that void and just smacks the shit out of the Pope on his throne and like yeah. breaks his like it doesn't physically hit him but it like breaks his connection and that's kind of that like little little me that was like the aha moment where I was like oh my god that's who it is because I'm I'm a Gemini so I always felt kind of shafted. Or not always, but like when I first watched it, I felt kind of shafted that the Gemini Saint was this like shadow and he didn't have a cool personality or anything. But then he, you know, it turned out how it turned out and Gemini's are the best now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I was going to say, well, I was going to um, finish your thoughts, finish your thoughts, finish no, your just, thoughts. I, I was going to say, that was how I felt about the two episodes, really. Like okay. I, I super enjoyed them, but those, the little bitty pieces, I feel like were big misses. All right. Uh, I'm I'm completely I'm the completely opposite of you, Comrade Free. I actually really did enjoy the fact that we got to see Guilty and we got to see why he chose um why he chose Iki over Shun because like it, 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 he saw the more intense, more more vengeful cosmos within him, and it makes more better sense that he that that they would send it. Like it it, it always it always pisses me off when I have to see someone see when I see pictures of people saying what if with uh, with Saint Sin. They always put like out. And they always put like uh, what's his face, Castillos as 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 uh, as the pagan saint, or you know, or uh, or, 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 or yeah, or something like that. And it's, and it's like and it's always and it's, and it's always and it's always Shun as as the Phoenix Saint and his, and um and Iki as uh, and Iki as the Andromeda scene. And like it would have happened. Like it doesn't make sense because that means that if you if you like if we know, I, I'm not. I, why do I say spoilers or not? Yeah, go for it. Oh, okay, fuck it. Spoilers in five, four, three, two, one. Shun's, Shun's Hades! If you send him to Death Queen's Island, he's gonna come back, he's, he's gonna kill everybody! That is true. <laughs> so it's like, that it makes perfect sense. So to, in my brain, it makes perfect sense why Guilty would've been like, ah, this saint, like, you know, I, I couldn't get that saint, but this guy, this saint here, ooh, this saint's, this saint's cosmos right here. Oh, it's beautiful. It's vengeful. I can, I can mend it to my will. So it makes perfect sense that he would go, that they would choose him to be the one that goes with guilty. So in my brain, I'm like, ah, that makes perfect sense. So I know, I know you don't, I know you don't like it, Comrade Frey, but guess what? I did. Fight well, me. And the original, one they, one me, bro. they didn't have much say over where they went. Didn't, didn't Doctor, uh, what, what's his face, just kind of send them willy nilly wherever. Yeah, pretty much. So it, it. it, it it's not it's not the it's not how it happened it's why it happened i don't Fair like the, the manifestation of the cosmo is this like intrinsic force where the original seemed to more be like it's inside of everybody and you just have to learn mm -hmm. how to harness it and really anybody with enough training and will can harness it to some capacity like uh, obviously there's okay. going to be people people that are better than others at harnessing it obviously but really, it's like a it's like a martial arts type of thing, like where you're training yourself and you could eventually mm -hmm. do some form of it. Whereas in this, it feels like people are like born X Men mutants and they're rounding them up and keeping them on like, an like, island. Like, like the current or the current or the current like the current or how they currently treating the Force in Star Wars. I don't yeah, watch Star Wars. Wars. <laughs> but yeah, Sorry. I get you. Controversial. I don't watch Star Wars. Anyways. Um, but going back, but going back, like I, I, I didn't really enjoy that. I know you have your thoughts. I have my thoughts. But um, 
but regardless, um, but but overall, like the entire episode, outside of what happens at the end of the second of the episode four, was I, it was really cool. It was really it was really interesting to see that they. Um, it was really cool how how they treated the how they treated the treated the Gemini the Gemini um saint like in in such a way. Um, I did like the fact that like right away, um, Shiryu knew long knew how to like get through get through get get felt the felt the illusion and got them out of there quickly. So they got them out of the, it got them out quicker than they should to destroy and made in that way the focus can be on um can can be on 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 Magnus and Sh- and Sean aka Hyoga and Hyoga and, and Shun. So fuck it, I'm just gonna start calling them by their by their original names. But regardless, um, you brought up another good point, where it's just like um, at the end of the fight, um, uh, Shun does this thing where he where she would throw her, she throws her chain and it came back with like part of the rosary that he had, and then that's that's where he starts that then that's where he starts to put things together like two and two together. Here it looks like like she got something, and it's like she didn't even notice what she got, and it's like eh, something I don't know what it is, but I got something. And she's more, and she's, but she's more fixated on the on the fact that like the armor is just right there. So I don't know if like it, I don't know if that's gonna be like Chekhov's like the Chekhov's like gun, where it's like, hey, she, like she has something there, and it's gonna come to play later, or they're gonna conveniently forget this, conveniently forget it, and not and not use it later. So it can go either way. But I did enjoy that's like you know that it's a little bit more of their saints using their abilities in a smart way. Like we're we're starting to see them not brute force it, like brute force what they were trying to do a lot of these times with the, with, the, with the series, and they're starting to become more intelligent with their with their abilities, and they're starting to become like a little bit more like resourceful with their abilities. I think one of the things one of the things I love about Saint Seiya is that you know it's like, and and you know I know you hate I don't I know you're not that fond of this series um Crown Rider Free, it's it's like JoJo's Bizarre Adventure where they use their abilities in a smart way. It doesn't make it makes perfect sense why. Their, their abilities work in that way and they know how to manipulate that those abilities in a way that it makes it that makes it like useful in, in battle and that translates into Saint Seiya where thankfully everybody has a stat, has, has has abilities where where everybody knows how to fight and they know how to use those abilities well and we get to see that with Shun where he where she uses her chain to like you know grab you know grab her to grab hold of the pillars and also to like use it as a fence and also to attack on to attack the, the Pope as well. It was a, it was like I said, it was a really interesting, it was a really interesting like a uh, uh, couple of two pairs of episodes, and I think like I said, but it ended in a really interesting spot. And that's all I gotta say. So why don't we continue on with with this with uh, with with that ending, uh, Comrade Freak? Hold on, just a second. Give me just one second. Okay. Um. Well, that's happening, uh, Comrade um, Benjus. You have any thoughts on 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 the on the well the last part of the sec of, of part four? Uh, well, yeah, but returning a little bit to episode three, there's just one thing that I'd like to point out. I, despite, despite the fact that I did love uh, the the episodes overall, there are quite a few inconsistencies that uh, kind of rub me the wrong way. Is like, for example, go for it. Uh, uh, because uh, uh, when okay, the way that it happens is that uh, uh, Sean and Iki are orphans, and they are mm-hmm. and Iki goes to f- try to find something for Sean to eat, and in the in that time, the the she gets attacked by a couple of do- of street dogs. And she displays Cosmo there, which attracts the attention of a couple of soldiers from Sanctuary, which in turn makes a Guilty appear before Sean and he's going to kidnap her. Iki comes and saves her, and that's how they adapted. That's how they explain how Iki got sent to, to Dead Queen Island. But then Sean just runs off. She starts crying, and she's found by June. Mm-hmm. And then they, they run off. 
and then they immediately arrive at uh, what is the residence, uh, the <laughs> yeah. training ground where this Cephil's Daedalus, uh, Sean's and Shun's original master in the manga, uh, is. So were they in Dead Queen? Sorry, were they in Andromeda Island? Or how the fuck did they get there? Like, I mean, the only explanation, if you just see it for what they are showing you, is that they're already there. But knowing what I know, knowing that uh, Andromeda Island is a, a hellhole that is actually in some ways worse than Dead Queen Island, weather-wise, it's like there wouldn't be any civilization there. It's like that took me off a little bit. I was like, why? It, like that's not explained well, and that was one flaw that the episode had. And there's like, okay, I have to point that out. It's like they still have that these little writing errors that, like, if you, if, even if you're not not nitpicking, it's like, how do you get from here to here? It's like, is this part here? Like, it doesn't make a lot of sense. All right, all right. Um, Barry, you you back yet? But, yeah, sorry, I had to I had to say something to my husband. Um, oh, okay. But no, my so this I I know that we're dealing with kind of apples and oranges when we're talking about season one and season two. A lot of things changed. It seems like they really listened to a lot of feedback. I and I'm not I'm trying not to beat a dead horse way too much, but when we go back to my initial thoughts on them changing Shun from male to female, and like of course there's the whole like queer racial part. Shun was never explicitly stated to be queer. But very much mm-hmm. shown to probably be on like maybe bisexual or um, you know I, I don't want to get into the politics of it, but he clearly was not a one hundred percent heterosexual male. Um, Fair enough. In, in the original, and so it felt really weird that that's the character that they chose to change it to a girl. And their reasoning was that they wanted to have more female empowerment, and we we saw little sparks of that in the first season, but I feel like they're really treating it well now but my my thing was that there's there are already several prominent female characters and they could have easily promoted like give, given them larger roles or more screen time or a bigger part in the plot and i feel like they're proving that they can do that by expanding june's role because june was kind of not in the original anime at least a whole lot and here we're seeing june become this like fleshed out well-rounded character we see her be jealous of sean but also want to be like sean's friend and encourage her um because sean was picked to go to the galaxian war and june was the one that wanted to go Jeanette is what she's called in there she she was the one that really wanted to go sean really didn't want to go um but their master chose sean um over june and um so we got to see the jealousy but then like also she wants her to be friends and they, they just really expanded and rounded out June in these couple of episodes more than I feel like I ever got to know her in the original anime, which is really great. But it just kind of proves my my point that the swapping of the gender, especially now that they're getting back to the original storyline, did almost nothing. And it just seems so pointless. And I'm really trying not to be angry about it after all these years, uh, this time has gone by, you know. To, to not be bitter about it, but it's so hard not to be bitter about it because it feels so inconsequential, especially now that a lot of the, like, Marin is, like like Ben just said earlier in the episode, they included a, a scene that we didn't get to see with Marin in order to give her more screen time and flesh her out more. And really the only person that hasn't got fleshed out more than they were in the anime that's a female is probably um, Shiryu's love interest. I always forget her name. Um, Shunrei. Shunrei. 
Thank you. Uh, Shunrei hasn't got that much screen time, which is sad because I like her voice actress a lot, so I wish that she would get more screen time. Um, but all the other female characters have really felt really strengthened in this show. Like, they want to keep that commitment to the girl power, except for Sean. Like, her her gender has done nothing to the character. Like, the, the character story beats are very much the same. The character personality is very much the same. So I still feel the queer erasure there, but I'm not going to harp on it too much. But my point is, is that I really appreciate them taking june and fleshing her out and i really hope that it's not just a like a blip moment like i hope that she continues to show up she is in the opening theme which is promising um so they're they're making time to like keep her within the mythos of the story so here's hoping i just i really like how they handled her situation versus the the sean situation um but i just thought that all of her scenes were really cute i really really like her mm -hmm. and i hope that we get to see more of her because we, like I said in the original, we really didn't see much of her. And she has one of my favorite armor designs. I I love her cloth design so much. And I'm glad that they, it doesn't, like, little bits here and there look different, but it's still very much the essence of that that cloth mm -hmm. as well. So I, I'm just really, really happy to see her. Yeah. And, um, of course, Camu comes in at the end of the episode, of the end of the fourth episode, and he's probably my favorite Gold Saint, controversial opinion. Um but I, I really liked his design, too. I know I keep harping, or not harping, I keep, like, doting, I guess is, is a better word, on all these designs. But they look so beautiful, especially when they're standing still. They look gorgeous. Animation, mm -hmm. fighting-wise, they're still a little bit wonky and uncanny at times. But they're working on it. It looks a lot better. Um, I was going to say, going back to that point with, like, the, the how beautiful the armors look, it's like, why haven't they made toys of these yet? Uh, because <laughs> because yeah. it's a show that they... Uh, put in on a streaming service and streaming service shows always get neglected. Um, but anyways, yeah, like, um, yeah, I, I agree with you with, with June and, um, how, how they've been treating the character. I hope that like, hopefully we get to see more, hopefully we get to see more of her in the series as well as, as time, as we continue on with the series. But I had this sinking feeling that I think, I think she's going to, I think she's going to be like another sacrificial character. That's gonna be yeah. that, that they're gonna that they're gonna but because like I'm seeing I'm like I have a I'm having I'm having like you it's it's all too convenient why you're introducing this character and you're sending her to the sanctuary it's like something's gonna happen to her something's gonna obviously happen to her that's gonna like piss off that's gonna piss off Sean and it's like oh uh, yeah yeah it's not gonna be, it's not gonna turn out well it's gonna involve um, Aphrodite's fight with Sean I I can. Yeah. I, I'm not gonna jump on that train right now and say it, but I—that's I, my personal feeling. Is that the—that's the direction that they're going in? That fair enough. Uh, that's a, that's a, that's what I'm feeling too. Yeah, she's either gonna get killed or she's gonna get really badly injured, and that's gonna kind of because he, Shun or Sean, true to the original source material, is maybe not as much as the anime was, but it's still very timid to fight and only fights as like mm. a defense mechanism and not necessarily as like a proactive thing. Very, mm -hmm. because it, Shun is basically, is he explicitly a pacifist or is that just what people assume about him? No, he is a pacifist. He has okay, that's what he stated that he will not, he doesn't want to fight anybody. He doesn't want to fight at right. all. He wishes for, for all, for, for peace. He wishes for all humans to get along. He, he wishes for good things to, to happen, he, and if and sometimes he's go, willing to give up his life if that means not not uh, raising his fist. But at the same time, he's also a character that once uh, he has realized there are there is no other way, he will fight for his ideals and he will fight uh, his opponents if he deems it necessary. But he would rather not fight; he can avoid it. 
Right. Yeah. So I, I, I feel like that that's going to be like a snap moment where either like, like I said, she'll get like gravely injured or potentially die. And that's when Sean is going to realize that she has to fight like that mm-hmm. just based off of the, the way they've been kind of building up her in there. But either way, even if she does die at the end of the season, I'm glad that, that they've started to bulk her up because it, it's yeah. just, she was she was the the bronze saint that I wanted to see more of the original ones at the beginning. I like their designs, but they didn't intrigue me all that much as like character wise. But she really did. And it just felt like she blipped in to like set up story points for Shun and then blipped out for forever. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was going to say, but it, uh, going back, going back to all like, you know, overall, I, this is my overall thought. It's interesting that we don't see the Jabber Saints there. It's, it's just, it's just, uh, it's just Aldebaran and Mu and, uh, and Tatsumi just, just totally around Athena. Yeah. Well, they, they mentioned that he sent everybody away, so they alluded that they're there in in the flashback. I think they just really wanted to hammer home the like girl power moment of them two becoming friends. Yeah. So that's why the other two weren't there. Uh, but in the no, in no, the... no, I'm saying, I'm saying, like, I'm saying, I'm saying when they would like, you know, because like the Jabber Saints, as in like Jabu Nietzsche. You know? Oh, oh, I thought you. Sorry, I thought you were talking about the other Andromeda Island Saints. I thought that's what you meant. I'm sorry. No, those guys, like, yeah, no, no, yeah, he sent them off. No, I'm saying like in the in the actual episode, like. Like overall, like you know, that you don't see those guys like hanging around just doing absolutely jack shit, like they like they did in the like the original like the original anime, which is like they're just standing around like, eh, what do we do? Yeah, you know, like you, cards. Because you, well, you would think with with the story that they set up for themselves, basically anybody that participated in the Galaxian tournament is branded as a traitor because they're not supposed to mm-hmm. fight for their own personal means. So technically, they should still be be being hunted down. Mm. If we're going by the own mythos of the show, like they they are still criminals in the eyes of Sanctuary for participating in the tournament. So really, something should be happening with them, but there's not. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very, right. it's very strange uh, that part, but I will get to that a, a little bit later. But uh, uh, yeah, Ben, just I was gonna point. I was actually gonna take you, you know if you have any other thoughts because like I want I want us to talk a little bit about Kamu, but if you have any other thoughts on overall and everything else. Just to finish up on Junet, I'm also glad that they uh, decided to give her an expanded role. She's a character that I think a lot of people like, and neither in the manga nor in the original anime did she really get to do much. And she hasn't really reappeared ever since her first appearance. And she did her purpose, and she hasn't really appeared back in the main story. So them using her as a character to expand upon, I think that it's fantastic. And I, uh, I'm excited to see how... How in what direction they go because Marin and, and her the, apparently she's going to accompany Marin to Star Hill something that only got mentioned in the manga and was never actually shown so maybe we're actually going to get to see that here I'm excited to see that uh, the only and just to compliment a little bit of what uh, Cameron said regarding Sean uh, yeah I am on the on the fence that I will never I will never agree with the decision that they took I think it was a terrible decision that unfortunately people that were involved in adapting a story that they didn't even know uh, they didn't understand the characters and they ended up we ended up paying for it and but what's done is done and I've never seen Sean as as, as Shun I see her as an adaptation of the Andromeda character for this specific, specific series and at the very least I'm glad that they're starting to give her a little bit more both personality and background for this version of the character mm. Yeah, I just my my point of bringing that up, and again, I don't want to get too sidetracked. It's just like kind of the queer erasure because this there was so many like queer things about the original series, and like 
uh, to my surprise, uh, Ramsey's actually told me about this. There was like an official like Shonen Ai like Dojin that was blessed by the original creators and everything. Mm-hmm. Like, so like they they know that the queerness is there. And I'm not saying that I want to see everyone make out with everybody in a giant pile in the middle of the floor, but <laughs> there's this show has no queerness. Like I don't feel that I don't feel that tension between any of the characters because like the the whole like scene where let me use my my body heat cosmo to warm you up yoga that's gonna have a way different vibe if they do that in, in the series oh yeah um i think but, i think i think oh, go on i was just gonna say like it, it just feel like it felt like they hindered one minor like i don't like using i don't like saying queer people are minority because i don't want to invalidate like pocs or anything like that but one underrepresented group they're putting they're they're racing to promote another underrepresented group makes no sense to me at all and it never will well and like i think i i think too i think i think part of it i think you you unfortunately you kind of answered your own question here i think with the and it's something we were talking about earlier too about like about china and stuff like that i think i think a lot of those changes too i think i i think they're trying i think the reason why they have to why they have, why you're toning down a lot and maybe maybe one of the things that they that they were talking about like why do you have to do the changes because and I think if this was if like if we're if they're thinking that if they were that forward thinking, I think this is what they were going for. Where I think they were kind of afraid of like you know like you know stuff like that being shown in, in China, and that could have been a, that could have been an issue. But again, I wouldn't know. We wouldn't know. We're not we're not privy to how those back deals how about those how those back um how how, how those back um backdoor deals work. But I'm just I'm just again that's just as you were saying just as you your crafting is that you theory craft about the about how they're softening the image of the of the gold saints i think i think a lot of it too i think it's like you know the, a lot of it is i think a lot of what you're a lot of those complaints that you're singing about i think it has to do with like, like you know places where you can show the series that's not that friendly to um to queer and you know lbgq plus people in the world which is unfortunate because like you know I recently came out and it's just like yeah it, it's kind of sad that like these that these things are happening so and there's still places in the world that unfortunately still has those kinds of issues as well. So it's like, but then <laughs> that's a whole different issue for a whole different time. Unfortunately, it's not, it's not anything I want. I want to bring up too much because, like, it's gonna. Yeah. It's just. I, I feel like. I feel like that. I feel like we're we're, we're on. Uh, we're ta- we're on. We're, uh, we're we're walking on. We're walking on eggs right now. We're walking yeah. on eggshells. So it's like. So it's like we have to like kind of be very careful on how we phrase things and how we we address all these things. But like for the most part, like that. That's what I'm thinking right there. But yeah, it, um, and it. It makes sense, though, because, like, if you look at, like, Misty from last season, nowhere in the canon does it say Misty is gay. He's just incredibly effeminate. But anything effeminate is seen as gay. Mm -hmm. And so even though, like, there's no... Other than him mentioning that he's beautiful than any other woman on the planet, basically, there's there's no indication that he is attracted to men. But he's very effeminate. He gets naked. He, you know, looks very girly. And they super tone that down too. So what you're saying makes sense. Like they're like trying to reach certain areas of the world um, that that kind of stuff would automatically either be banned or heavily censored. So it it does make sense. But I I don't want to specifically say any one country. A lot of countries have specific values that are mm-hmm. really complicated, and we're not mm-hmm. by any means any experts on that. All I'm an expert on is that I just want the gays everywhere. 
Same. I, I just want everybody, and I just want everybody to be happy. It's like people like you, people like Ben. Just I just want all, all that stuff, and I do appreciate all, like the queerness, the, the queer parts of, it, of the series as well. So it, it's it's just anyway. a shame. But it, th- that being said, that's not all Saint Seiya is, and so that's why I'm I'm only just mentioning it as like a small part of the whole the the series as a whole because it's more than that. It's also has a lot to do about friendship, which they've this season has dramatically improved on the friendship aspect of it. And we're only four episodes in yeah. um, They're They're giving these characters reasons to be friends instead of just like pitting them together. Um, and they're um, like ties of responsibility was another big theme. Loyalty is a big theme and they're doing good jobs with bringing those in. So it's like, it's I'm not, it's one aspect of the show that disappoints me out of, you know, a hundred aspects that really delight me. So I don't want mm-hmm. it to feel like I'm saying that, like, I'm not saying anybody's homophobic. I'm not saying that they specifically change these to please any countries. I'm not saying that they specifically change these out of malice. They were, it, it was just like Ramsey said, a bunch of people probably were in this big boardroom trying to figure out how to make this the most, um, like, how to maximize profits and and also how to get as many people into it as easily as possible and having a girl main character gets the the like girls that like adventure shows and things like that gets them more easily on board so i i understand what they were doing i just wish that it had happened differently you know let's just change the subject here because i think i I think i I think we i think we (laughs) do think we we should we should change a little bit our we should we should change we should shift gears to a little bit something a little bit more towards what we're the actual to the actual topic at hand which is the actual series so like we, we got to see at the end of the episode we actually got to see uh kamus and uh, and Hyoga finally interact and um i thought it was really interesting how they handled it you know like i really like the fact it's like you know first thing one of the first things he does is that he goes to his mother and he and and he's sinking with his mother that was one of the things that, that shocked me i was like holy shit you know it was one of the things where it's like like in the series like if you they only have it from afar but it's like for for them to actually take the for them to actually do that and actually make them part of like that that disaster where 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 Kamus con- continuously is pushing the is pushing the the boat further down sinking it to the point where where no one can reach it was I think I think it was a was a was a brilliant and I think a really good idea for them to do and also them and also ha- having him confront them in in um having him confront them in uh, Siberia was also an interesting idea to say the least. I don't, I don't know how I don't know how you guys feel, but I I felt that it was a little bit more impactful for them to actually be in that area and actually start talking to to uh, to um, Kyoga and all that stuff, and then sending him back to like the and then also it makes kind of perfect sense like why 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 randomly he's like why why randomly he would send him somewhere else later I think so I, I really did I really really did enjoy that that interaction between Kamus and uh, Kyoga. Um, Menjus, your thoughts on that on the on this particular part of the, the of this um, these episodes? I love it. Actually, Kamus is probably the reason why I, I love the episode four so much. Episode four so far, out of all this, the episodes that have been released and that I've watched, is my favorite. And I think Kamus is probably the reason for it. I generally love the interaction between Kamus and and Hyoga. I liked how uh, how it was depicted. At first, like people might be confused, like because Hyoga gets sent back to Siberia when uh, Siberia when <clears throat> when he gets released from the Gemini Saints, uh, another dimension. When Sean defeats uh, the Gemini Saint, uh, Hyoga appears in Siberia uh, near the hole where his mother is. Now, I actually am having a difficult time remembering. Did 
did his mother appear in the first season? No. No. No, so so I so I was right. We never got to see that in, in the first season. We didn't get to see Hyoga interact with his mom, which is a core part of his character. That's the very first thing that we see him do in the anime and in the manga. The, the issues with his mom is a, a core essence to the character. Actually, so, no. Actually I, actually, I stand corrected. The very first time we see we see Hyoga, he's coming out of the water. So we get we get hints that that, that, that maybe that's happening, but now we get to see it. Yeah, and we get to see his mom, and he goes and, and sees her because he felt like he felt something off. He felt like a tremor, and he goes and he sees her, and he he sees that she's fine. He he feels relief, and then the, there's another tremor in the water, and and the, the boat starts to sink, and then we get to see his pain of losing his mother, and then as he's coming out of the water, Camus is already there waiting for him, and then he drags his ass because he <laughs> he grabs him and throws him back into a, a portal, and then they appear at the Lyra Temple. And that's when they have their fight. But I love the interactions between them. Again, they had mm -hmm. to adapt. They had to adapt Camus here in the original anime as well as in the manga. Uh, he goes. He didn't. It's 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 bizarre because the here's actually one one little detail for for you guys to know. Originally, Camus didn't want. Uh, he uh, he sank the boat in the manga. Before they all go to sanctuary, like when everybody was just gonna oh, like go on with okay. their lives, like Hyoga goes back and he's there and and he and he sinks the boat. But then as he comes out, he sees uh, in the snow a message that says sanctuary, almost like provoking him to go there, and that's why he goes originally. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, because that didn't make a lot of sense because he in the end wants to stop him from advancing and he doesn't want him to get killed by the other gold saints. He's like, why would you do that if you didn't want that to happen? They changed that in the final edition, and he and now there's a message in French because Camus is French that says don't approach, don't approach sanctuary. So now mm. he's telling him not to go there, but he obviously he's like, oh, why the fuck did you do that? So I'm gonna go. So he fixed that in the final edition. Anyways, they adapted that. They mix like adapting the anime and the and the manga because he he in the end he sings his mom in his presence. But they adapted that scene also for, from the manga as well. I like the way that they executed it. And they also now incorporated it into this continuity in which Camus is also a willing trader. So he's trying to get Hyoga back. He cares about his student. He cares for him. That's why he goes back for him. And he's trying to make him abandon his emotions so that he will follow the orders that he has given him. And also be willing to follow the Pope. And that's why... Uh, and, and he tries to get him back, but Hyoga then refuses. Now showing that sign of friendship between the between the Bronze Saints. See, I always read the I say read. I always interpreted in the anime this sequence of events to be Camus trying to get him to unlock the sense and failing. He's trying to like I that that's what I took away from it. Did I interpret that entire like episode incorrectly? Because it really felt like Kemu was like trying to purposely antagonize and enrage him to like bring out more Cosmo and more power, and then he just didn't hit that mark, and so he decided to freeze him because he didn't think he was going to be able to fight against the Gold Saints. Did I just headcanon that whole thing? No, it is no, well, no, it is practically. It's not it's perfectly stated, but Camus actually shows a lot more care for Hyoga in the manga. He knew that if he kept he kept advancing, he was going to get killed by one of the other Gold Saints. Because he didn't believe that he had any, he wasn't going to be able to defeat them because of the seven cents. In the end, he was still a bronze saint, and because he was his his uh, disciple, 
he was he was willing to he was trying to stop him and he tried to and he did that with his mom because he was just trying to make him leave his weakness which was uh the emotions that he felt towards his mom because mm -hmm. he saw that as a weakness and he was just trying to help him overcome that because in the end yoga no matter how you want to see it, it was a character that was that was still very much affected and very much attached to his mom despite the fact that he lost her all those years ago Obviously, Camus is no psychologist, so he didn't really help, but he tried what he could and, and, and in the way that he 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 had good intentions, terrible execution, as I'd like to say. But mm -hmm. he was but mm -hmm. he was doing yeah. that out of kindness, out of love for his disciple, because he really cares for Hyoga in the manga. Yeah. That's something that's something I that's something I that I got that from the anime more than anything, where it's just like he, he's pushing yoga yoga and he realizes that look, you're gonna get killed, dude. You're gonna get fucking killed. And, I, and if you you have to let go of your emotions, and he's still hanging on to his mom's like, like I hate to do this, but so it's I, I interpreted it like that, where he's just like, I don't want to do this, but I'm sorry, but you can't not you cannot by any chance have, have any any kind of emotions, any kind of like attachments, because like if not, you're, you're if, yeah, those attachments are going to be a detriment to your to your to your um to your ability to continue going forward. So that's, that's so so that's how I interpreted it. it, 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 it I have it, a question it. for Ben just though, and I'm yeah. not calling you out, so please don't feel attacked. Um, but like, if you were watching this, if this was if you'd never seen anything else with Saint Seiya before, and and this was your intro to it, and you stuck with it to season two, like you watched all through season one, would you have felt that they did this scene well if this was your first time with Saint Seiya ever? Because they. Yes, yes, we did see him swim out of the water in in an early episode in season one, but we never saw him interact with his mom, whereas in the manga and the anime, it happened several times before she gets pushed into the depth. So we literally meet his mom, and then like a minute later, she's like in the bottomless ravine, and I just didn't feel as impactful. And so like, while I, I like what they did, it like, it's just... This it goes back to the same problem we've had with some of the other story beats. It just felt really rushed. It didn't feel like we had enough time to marinate the situation of his like the core of his mommy issues that he has. Whereas like when you watch the anime, you know that he's got some mommy issues by this point in the series, and that mm -hmm. could be paramount to them having you know over double the amount of episodes to build that up in you know by the time they got to that point in the original series or different writing styles or what, but do do you think that you would have felt the same if this was the first and only time you'd seen Saint Seiya? Now that you mention it like that, I would sadly have to say no, because I have all that context. But if I'm trying to, yeah. look, at it, uh, to look at this as a new viewer, as somebody that has no no background knowledge on any of these characters, I, I think that I would understand what they tried to do. I would get the idea, but the execution would be, feel very rushed because it's just right. like a, a moment, like it's a, just a couple of minutes. So yeah, I think that in that that regard, you're right. Uh, I'm glad that they're including it, but at the same time, it's a shame that it cannot fall uh, with the weight that it needs to, because they couldn't show or because they mm -hmm. were not willing to show anything prior to this season. So they're trying to course correct, and it does feel like I mean, it does feel like that, and one can appreciate it. But yeah, as somebody without any knowledge of the series as a whole. It does fail to to land very well because it's like the message is understood, but I think the execution is lacking in that regard. I suppose. I just I I'm I think that the because it wasn't included in the first his mom wasn't included in the first season and I didn't notice that, but I didn't mind that they didn't use that story beat in the first season 
because it really felt like they were trying to make him more of like a like a sub antagonist almost like maybe he's going to go to the other side and help sanctuary maybe he's going to stay with this like we kind of had that going on for a little bit and that was his character direction and it felt distinctly different from the previous incarnations of him and i liked it so i didn't mind as much the mom thing not being there so i i kind of wish that they i don't know if this is controversial but i kind of wish they maybe didn't include that and maybe motivated him another way like i'm trying to brainstorm another way that kamu could have motivated him or um tried to get him to just kick his ass just kick his maybe, ass so hard that he yeah he, like he, or, he or maybe up. like show show him like visions of like saya getting his ass beat while he was passed out and shun or or sean getting her ass beat you know in the gemini temple and just showing like your your friends are clearly already dying like because they well i guess he would have known that saya didn't die in the temple and and because they he woke and up, you can also show but, you, you can also show too like you can also show too like oh look 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 what happened to shoot you shoot you is now lost and lost and lost in limbo um and then this is what's gonna happen to your friends if like if you don't do anything about if you don't put yeah. your emotions aside because his because the the direction they were going in is is that he didn't trust them at first but now he does but maybe like Camu could have like tried to get him to not trust them again or something like that and come back to sanctuary and be on sanctuary which he sort of did but I feel like if they had left out the mom part and went heavier on that, it would have fit the story that they've already created. It's just this weird thing of them now trying to mesh in original story beat elements that were there from the get-go in the original incarnations, but they weren't in theirs. But they're trying to place them now, but it just doesn't have the same... It doesn't feel like it has the same effect for me because they haven't been there for episodes and episodes. Like, the mom wasn't there for episodes and episodes, so her fall into the the abyss underwater was not as emotional as the scene in the anime where like you knew that this was going to completely destroy Hyoga when you saw that mm -hmm. happen but in this context he's only went to visit his mom once and you can tell like it's his mom so you can tell he cares about her but it, it's not it wasn't a part of his like story building before so I think that they should have went a different direction in my personal opinion but it was nice to see them it, it was nice to see that in the this beautiful animation that we have now. So I'm, I don't know how I feel about it. I, can you tell? I don't know how I feel about this show. <laughs> it's very, yeah. very, very uh, yeah. conflicting feelings. All right. So any closing thoughts on these on 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 these on these last two episodes, um, Comrade Furry? Just I, I always like seeing Shun. I want to clarify that I always like seeing Shun have the spotlight. I like Shun episodes. It it did drag up some of those original dread feelings seeing Sean get so much spotlight that we've already been through. We're not going to revisit it, but those feelings kind of came back to the forefront just a little bit. But like I said, the moments where we got to see Shun be her own character and not just be a stand in for Shun, like Sean, like we got to see her as a child, you know, actually defending herself even if i don't like the cosmo aspect of it like she didn't need nero to come and save her in that moment specifically even though he does later but we get to see a glimpse of her being cool there with her powers and then we get to see her cute friendship with june i just like that they are finally <laughs> after what like 16 episodes developing these other characters a little bit and it makes me excited even more because i know that shiryu's episodes um, should be coming up soon if they like if they keep going at the pace that they're going we should see Shiryu versus Death Mask very soon 
and um, just real excited for some of the accompanying flashbacks because we didn't get any of um, the flashbacks that we're used to from the anime uh, with Oko. So it's I'm interested to see what they're going to do with his flashbacks because certainly he'll get some, I feel like. But yeah, um, then... Your final thoughts on these actual episodes, Benjus? I uh, I have been very excited since season two started. I really like this batch of episodes. Uh, talking with you guys also helped me seek, uh, like, have a new perspective because sometimes being on a certain high, uh, because I've been in in this high. Like, Toy is infamous for in in the Sensei circle for always basically beating the fans' expectations to the ground. And and he, like, the, have you seen that meme with Dewey from uh, Malcolm in the Middle where he says, "I'm not <laughs> expecting anything, and you still manage to disappoint me." That's, yes. that's that basically Toy animation. So the fact that Despite the fact that obviously there are still flaws, there are still things that linger around, and there are things that that sometimes even in this new sense that they're trying to incorporate for the new for the new story elements, maybe they they don't land that very well. Or now that you hearing you guys also your perspectives help me to see some things that I didn't beforehand. This, in spite of all that, I'm I still really like them, and I'm very hopeful because it seems that they're trying to in their own way, still catch the essence of the series. And I don't want a beat-for-beat beat adaptation of the manga, in spite of the fact that <laughs> it might sound that that's what I'm trying to do. That's not my intention. I just, I always have that present as the source material. But I want to see what they do with the, with the series and, and see where what new ideas they incorporate, what lands, what doesn't. And at least it's a good attempt. And, and you can see that effort and work has been put in for this new season to to go in a direction where fans of the franchise can actually be be excited to say, hey, it's Sunday. Let's see what comes up now. Let's see the new episode to see what they added. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm leaving this batch with I left this batch with a really good taste. The following episodes I'm also excited to discuss with you guys. So I am in a very good mood and, and in a very good uh with a very good view about what's to come. Uh, but however, however, there are flaws obviously there are still some lingering flaws both in the writing department as well as in certain executions. The music is still probably the most lackluster element that has plagued this this series since the very first season. Because I think that many of the scenes we we see, if they had better music, they would they would feel even better and would be better executed to, to look at and would feel more epic. Sadly that's still a lingering issue that hasn't gone away. But well, at least it's something. All right, very. You're well. Now we're now we're going to our final thoughts here. So your final thoughts on 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 this on these block of episodes? Complicated. Uh, okay. I, I just yeah, I just have a lot of thoughts swirling around in my head. I need to see more. Um, this because obviously the tone feels a lot different in these episodes. I feel like the pace is a little bit slowed down, which I'm kind of worried about. Um, I've seen some rumors going around. I don't really like talking about rumors, but I've seen some rumors going around that they're actually going to be two seasons for this. I haven't seen anything confirm it, so I don't want everybody to get excited. But some people are saying that there's going to be a season three for sure. Some people are saying a season two has to do good first. So I want to know how they're going to pace out these because there's we've we've only gotten through three houses and we're four episodes in. They spent two episodes on the Gemini house, sort of. Um, might, I, might I add to that? Yeah. Actually, uh, one channel that's very, the, probably the most famous channel in the Sensei uh, Spanish-speaking community, GigU, uh, I just made an interview with one of the, well, she was a production manager for the Knights of the Zodiac show. She has already left Toy Animation, but she shared some information with, with him. And apparently, they're working on several seasons. 
So it is a season three. It is confirmed. All, all, well, not not publicly, but it is almost all but confirmed. And apparently, there are plans for many more. Okay, all right. So that, that's good to know. That still doesn't quell my fears of if they're gonna rush through. Th- are, are are they gonna rush through this? Are they gonna find? Because there's no real good ending point other than getting to the end and saving burnt sienna like there there's there's no real good stopping point because the the whole point of this arc is that it's a time like they're they're on a time crunch and you're supposed to feel on some level a little bit stressed out because they they need to keep progressing forward they need to keep going um and so i i feel like stopping in the middle of this arc would be not a great move not that they really ended the first season at a good place either um but it just like how are they gonna bum rush through this and kind of gloss over some of the the better parts of it? Are they gonna take their time where they need to and risk not getting a third season? Like, I, just from even if it's all but confirmed, things can still happen, and a third season could potentially still fall through. We all saw what happened to Batgirl. Things happen. So mm-hmm. yeah do they risk stopping in the middle of the arc and being like, Oh, we'll just finish it in season three. And then what if season three doesn't happen or do they bum rush through and do the whole thing in these 12 episodes that we're going to get and maybe gloss over some stuff. That's where I'm worried at because they more so the first part, because they, they did take their time with the Gemini temple, which I'm really happy about, but it's not again. I, I'm kind of contradicting myself because I said I love seeing Shun get to be badass but it's not one of the in in my opinions quintessential things that I think about for this arc the the Gemini temple fight it was kind of like just a blip for me story-wise so the fact they spent two episodes on this makes me feel like they're maybe not going to finish the whole sanctuary arc in these 12 episodes so I don't I'm, I'm just nervous about the pacing but that aside these episodes prove that they've Something happened with the production team. I don't know if people got fired or rearranged or they took advice from fans or something, but they seem to care much more with this season. I feel the heart in this season much more than I did the first one. So I'm very optimistic about seeing the rest of it. Like I said, the the death mask fight is one of my favorite fights in the whole franchise, and that's coming up soon. So I'm really excited to see it. Death mask's weird British accent was throw me off a little bit there but i'll deal with it i can handle it i'm a big boy and yeah that's kind of how i feel um how i feel about these episodes is hopeful i felt like how i felt when after watching the that middle part of saint sail season one nights of the zodiac season one where we were so high on that we were so high and there were so many good there are so many good decisions so many good things despite these little nagging things that they did here and there at the end of the day, that 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 middle part of that of that of that um of that season was really well made, and you can tell. And that's why I said that there's a germ of a good idea. And I'm starting to see that germ come to fruition of, of with this with this starting when starting off really strong with this season. I know we're kind of bum rushing through a lot of things, but I don't mind them doing that because, like, I think like they're they're doing this they're doing a different kind of they're doing a different kind of bum rush where instead of trying to focus on like 50 different things. They're just trying to accelerate a, a, a one-on-one fight, and they're and they're doing it in a more organic way, as opposed to just like seeing how far they can seeing seeing how far they can make it and praying to God that it sticks. And like I do foresee that it might end, you know, like it might end in a cliffhanger. We may not we may we may not see the end of the sanctuary arc and stuff like that. 
but I do want them. If that's the case, then I do want them to. I do want them to, to take their time with it, and do more episodes, and focus more on like the characters and stuff like that. Because I honestly believe that this, like, now we're starting to a point with Saint Seiya, especially with this, um, with this, with the with the series, this particular part of the series. It's like now they finally hit their stride, and I I don't know what they did. I don't. I maybe if they finally got their heads together and they finally figured out like what the, what the proper way of going about this. Or maybe this is what something they were planning all this time, and they're finally getting all that stuff in fruition. Whatever the case is, it's finally happening, and I'm really I'm here for it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So overall, I'm really happy about these these, these next group of episodes. Ben, just I think you already seen you already watched a couple of these episodes, so you you're you seem really excited, really elated to talk about these episodes. So it makes it makes me really hopeful to for to check out these next these next group of episodes that are coming up as well. Yep, I am excited for what's to come. Alrighty, so. Um. Overall, overall, we all we all agree that these were really good. Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. Any closing thoughts before I sign us all off? I mine would just be if 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 you're listening. Obviously, any person that watches is going to have their own views and their own opinions regarding what they're watching. But if you're going to take anything from this, is that they have definitely put in the effort and the work to try to correct most of the things that were not good about the previous season. Give it a shot and make your own thoughts about it. Yeah, I I would say the same thing. I you know, form your own opinion about something. I I'm flattered if anybody listens to the show to hear what I have to say and what my opinions are, and that's great. But really, if you even think you might enjoy parts of the show, just give it a chance and know I hate it when people say, Oh yeah, you just gotta get through season one for it to get good. But sometimes that sometimes that's true. Like I never watched season one of the office. I just, I can't, but seasons two no, all the can. way to the end, even with even the last two seasons where Steve Carell isn't there, I still get a lot of kicks out of those episodes when I catch them on. Or if I, you know, go on a kick where I like rewatch the series, I'll start with season two. Um, I've watched season one just for clarity. I've, I've seen that, but there are those shows out there that they're like, just, just like stay on the struggle bus for a few episodes and with this show, I I think that both of you will agree with me with this show. If you just stick through the first like three or four episodes, you can see the potential in that middle block. Like like Ramsey's just said, you can you can really see the potential there. And if you like that spark that you see there, you've got to push forward <laughs> and get to season two because that's when that spark becomes a reality. But yeah, um, just like Ben just said, just watch it for yourself. Get your form your own opinions. Um, if anything we've said here even sounds remotely interesting, just give it a shot. Um, confusing um, advertising and layout on on the website and having to use two di- different streaming services if you live in the U.S. is kind of tedious. But it's at the end, I feel it's worth it to see how these people are have envisioned the Saint Seiya franchise in 2022. Alrighty then. I think we, I think this is a good place to end right here. We had a really good discussion about everything, and like I said, we we're gonna have so much more with like the when I insert the interview and all that stuff. And you know, we're gonna also have another episode coming soon with Benjas and everybody else talking about the experiences at the concert. So we're we 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 are we got a we got a plate full of stuff coming up here. So I think we better we better catch our breaths here and just like take it easy for right now. But I think this is a good place to stop. Um, Ben, just do you have anything you want to promote here that you've been up to? Anything you've been that you want to promote? Anything you want to say? Anything you want? Anything you want to get off your chest? The floor is yours. Uh, 
Only if you're interested in Cincia trivia, information, manga, and anime comparisons, be sure to follow me on my Twitter, which is a, a Mexican Geek 502. Uh, I'm going to be posting, I'm very close to finishing a posting, well, the explanation as to how the fight with Saga goes in the anime, and then I'm going to start uh, posting uh, how it goes in the manga so that you can have a more or less comparison of how that goes. So be sure to look forward to that. Thank you very much. Comrade Furry. You have anything you want to promote? Anything you want to show? Anything you want to talk about? Um, yeah. Well, first of all, if you think I'm funny, you're right. And congratulations. You can follow me on Twitter to have even more hilarities. Um, at Common Rider Furry. I did recently revive my Instagram. I think I talked about it last time. I'm going to um, start doing uh, pictures of my figures. So it's going to be a bit of a different vibe than my Twitter. Um, less... Uh, gay jokes and less um, lewdness and more just me posting about my collectibles because I have a lot of cool collectibles that I want to show off. So that's what I'm going to do. And then Ancient Anime is coming back. We had a special episode this, not this past Friday, but the one before. So um, a couple of weeks ago now about Saban Moon. I had Scarlet on there who was on the roundtable episode of this. So you'll hear a familiar voice. Um, and then I... Um, starting, let me get the specific date because I just had it and I'm an idiot that didn't look at it. The 19th. So Monday the 19th, we're moving to Mondays. So we used to be on Tuesdays, but Monday the 19th, um, Ancient Anime is coming back full force with our debut of season two that is actually going to feature another familiar voice that you have heard in this episode. Um, I'm going to have the full Sat AM squad uh, on that episode to talk about a really fun anime. I don't want to give too much away yet, but that will be a fun, a fun, interesting series premiere or season premiere for uh, season two. So go and follow us on um, at Ancient Anime Pod on both Instagram and Twitter to find out some more inklings about information. I'm slowly dropping information, um, but we will be biweekly starting on September the 19th, which is next Monday. Yeah, All righty then. And as for me, I host another podcast called the uh, Saturday Morning Squadron with my good friend Rob. This week, um, on another previous episode we recorded, that should be up right now, we discuss filmation because we're both old and we're both nerds and we both love talking about old cartoons. And we went and we had a really good discussion about like some of the cartoons they make because I, I, I saw some of the cartoons and there's some there's both some really good ones like Star Trek the Animated Series and He-Man and She-Ra, Bravestar. And then you got stuff like My Favorite Martians and um, the Brady Kids and just Gilligan's Planet. They made shit like that. And there's like, so we, so we get to see, oh, we got to talk about the ups and the downs of filmation. A lot of, there's a surprising a lot of ups there because there's, there's a lot of interesting things right there. So if, you want, if that's up your alley, please check out my other podcast, The Saturday Morning Squadron. I'll, link, I'll post a link on it and our show description. I'll also post a, also post a link to Conrad Writer Phrase show as well. You should check that show out because even, even if I'm not on that episode, you have to check it out because like he has a lot, of, a lot of great insight. He gets a lot of great guests on his show and a lot of people that we know mutually. And I, like, I'm not, again, it's not to my own home. I love, I love listening to the show even when I'm not on, on the episodes. I love hearing other people's opinion on old anime and stuff like that. So it's a really good show. So I'll link that also in the description below for, for his show. And if you want to find out more about this particular show, you can go to stcosmocast.com. Again, the address is stcosmocast.com. All one word, no www in front of it. Uh, you can check out all of our previous episodes, show notes, and you can listen to the episodes on the website if you don't have you don't have access to like you know iTunes or um, 
Apple Podcast or Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, or whatever way you can listen to it. There's a, there's a perfect way to listen to your browser by going to our website. And also, too, it gives you information how to subscribe and also, too, like, you know, information about who we are and stuff like that. For and, um, you know, hey, it's a good way. It's a good way so you can, it's a good way so you can, so you can, so you can connect with, the, with us and connect with the podcast and see, learn, learn more about the show that we do as well. So, again, the, that address is at sccosmocast.com. Well, okay, so with all that said, guys, I as for me, I am Ramsey's dad is Kamen Rider Furry, that is Benjis, and I'm here to tell you, yes, yes, you, right there. I know the one that's listening to this show on the on the on the bus right there. Yeah, you? Yes, you. Keep burning that cosmos. And to everybody else, keep burning that cosmos. Because yeah, because like they, that, that that's the lifeblood and that's the energy of this universe. So keep burning that cosmos. I'll see y'all next time. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye.